get it going. It's time to get up. What do you think you're going? What's going to happen when you put two fifty-something guys in the ring against each other? You hope that they don't embarrass themselves, and they didn't. That it, I, I, Mike looks pretty good for a guy who's fifty-four and looked better than Roy Jones did. These guys are here to break it all down. Jones, Rogers backpedals, puts it up top. Touchdown, Green Bay. That is so unbelievable, Mike. Alan Lazard with the leap to no one. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. The Bears are who we thought they were. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, everybody. What's going on? It is Monday, November 30th. Last day of November and all those creepy dusters that we've been rolling with for the last 30 days. What's happening? James Sabalski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. This is the starting lineup here on your home of Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet 650. Pear, how are you, man? Christmas lights finally up at your place now? Yeah, we yeah we did. I'm I'm want to tell you, and I know you were a couple weeks ahead of me. Uh, I'm gonna give you some information on the Nova BS just PS. Yeah, we just decided hey, it was a nice weekend weather wise, and um, it was not the game plan, but others had the idea that it would be today to get going. So we tried a new look um, with the Christmas lights. So I would say, you know, ninety percent done. Had to throw out, and I don't. How does it work? I had to throw out three big strings of lights that obviously I packed last year because they worked, and nothing this year. So. I may do the trip at some point today or tomorrow because a tree we normally light is barren. We're deciding whether it works or not. So, yeah, man, I'm in the festive mood. And I'll tell you, I just had took the dog out. And the way we have the light situated, they come on on a timer. So that light's on for 10 minutes because that's when I'm usually out doing my stuff in the morning. And uh, I wasn't humming a Christmas song. I wasn't thinking of singing a Christmas carol. But I did in my inside voice going, oh, this is pretty. I guess I can handle this for the next month. So, yeah, we're with you, buddy. No tree yet. I think we'll wait another week or two. But yeah, that's that's November. Why not do it? May as well. Something to look forward to. I just said no one's coming to her house to look at the Christmas lights, so I'm gonna have to walk walk to the driveway and walk back to enjoy it. But yeah, we did that. How about you? We uh we're ready to go. Nice weekend. Weather came out. The sun was shining on Saturday. It was the first time of about a what? A week that we saw the sun, so felt good. Mm-hmm. Uh absolutely amazed how many people were dialed into the uh, Tyson Jones fight. I could not believe just looking at social media going scrolling through. I'm like, "Man, did everybody illegally stream this or did everybody spend 50 bucks on this? Did everybody kind of get hooked up online? Like, what is going on here?" I was just absolutely amazed how many people were hunkered down with it. Uh, uh, and we'll get into this uh, momentarily. Cody Saftik from the Fight Network is uh, going to join us here in just a couple of minutes uh, to look down. As, uh, man, I think mission accomplished uh, for, for as much as we talked about the circus, about Mike Tyson stepping back into the ring for the first time in 50 years in his mid-50s. Uh, all things considered, man, I think people enjoyed what they saw. <laughs> Which begs the question now, Pear, what now? Well, if Mike cashed in $10 million, he'd be happy. I think timing is everything. And their timing was perfect. It was like, here's the weekend. You're going to have Mike Tyson fight in its 2020. You're going to have an NFL team play without a quarterback. It was just bizarre. But you're right. <laughs> From a standpoint, I think there was a lot of younger generation that had heard about Mike Tyson, oh. only seen the films, and they wanted to see what he was all about. And they got to see Mike Tyson. It was interesting that they had the draw, that that's why most sports books, our friend Todd Furman saying, 
didn't touch this fight because he said the word exhibition was there. So unless you're going to have a knockout, there's a situation where, hey, if they're both standing, they're going to take it. And Roy Jones did exactly that and was standing. So they get the draw. But, hey, no one was embarrassing. We just heard Stephen Brunt. Uh, I don't know if you do it, you know, once bit, twice shy. I don't think you would do it again. But uh, pulled it off on maybe the perfect weekend to do it with nothing going on on Saturday night. Yeah, and and it's – does it not speak a little bit to, like, for stars that time certainly can be kind for stars after – after the playing has stopped. And, and I look at it this way, like look at Tyson here and, and the way it ended for his career, you know, he went through some insanely volatile times. Once he finally lost to Buster Douglas, right. You know, then follows the rape conviction. He's in prison for three years. He gets out, gets back into the ring, the ear biting with Evander Kane, uh, or oh, not with Evander Kane, Evander Holyfield. We'll get to Evander Kane eventually. It'll be happening. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe it's Tyson Evander Kane at some point. But you look at Tyson, and then all of a sudden it's the circus, right? It was the ear biting incidents with Evander Holyfield. You know, the just the obnoxious interviews all of a sudden, right? Uh, you know, and then it kind of ends with him quitting in the ring, and it was just, oh, man, a guy who was like such a far cry from who he was. I mean, he was still in his 30s when he had last fought in the ring in 2005. And, buddy, I was a massive Tyson fan as a kid, huge Tyson fan. But it was like, I don't need to see this again here in 2020, knowing how it ended last time. Even Muhammad Ali, but 15 years later, Tyson has become a lovable figure in the eyes of a lot of people. He's become self-deprecating. He's become somewhat of a funny guy in some respects. The hangover movies, the different spoken word tours, and then to this on Saturday night, man, I had my 15-year-old nephew. Are you watching this? This is amazing. I love it and couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, who would know him probably from you know those acting performances. I was fascinated by Mike Tyson when his career started, would watch everything he did. He would show up on Larry King, and I thought, wow, this guy, you know, he's, he's trying to read. He's, he, you know, he's using these big words, sometimes right, sometimes wrong, but he's just different, right? Okay, he's a, he's a menace in the ring, and he's he's so interesting because you don't know where he's going in the conversation. Then, then he became despicable with the charges in Indianapolis, and you were a criminal. Simple as that. And yep. somehow he has, I'm not going to say completely repaired because I think there are some people that can't get by what Mike Tyson is there, but there are some star athletes that simply James are judged by their on field in ring performance and what they do as a part of society. People, some high, they shy away and just, I just want to remember him in the ring. He's great in the ring. Yeah. He laughs at himself. He says what he wants. And I want to watch him go into the ring because he was like none other. Man, we talk about the Masters two years ago being just the greatest thing ever. Now, Tiger Woods is not in the same conversation as Mike Tyson, but there's a lot of people who, well, Tiger Woods had his private separate life going, really? Like, what world were you in how you treated people? But then there you are wearing your red golf shirt of Tiger Woods, right? It happens with so many people. They just divide what the athlete does as to what the person is and their next door neighbor. And Mike Tyson may be at the top of that list to go, here's how wrong he was. And yet he makes $10 million because people want to pay money to see him jump into the ring at the age of 50. And he yep. may want to do it again. If he looked good, if he, someone else is around there, I mean, is Evander going to step up and do it? 
They may do it again, and there's an appetite. I think that appetite, though, was weighted by the fact that the world's so crazy right now, and it just was a distraction. Just like, you know, the last dance being the greatest thing going on was Tiger King being, everybody's talking about it. Tyson got that billing against Roy Jones on Saturday. Okay, there's nothing else to do. Let's spend the money and see what these guys do. Let's see what the YouTuber does against the NBA player. And it seemed like it was a success. Well, I, you know, if you if you win, it seems to really mask issues, right? I mean, look, the stories about Patrick Kane and the issues that he kind of got, it, it's almost like he seemed to get the, any sort of troubles went away. You know, you win three Stanley Cups and, you know, the conversation becomes more about his winning. You know, man, who had the biggest day in the NFL yesterday? Tyreek Hill, right? Yeah, what were we talking yeah, about Tyreek right. Hill like a year and a half ago? What were we talking about with Tyreek Hill off the field, right? Not a nice guy. But, man, that was that, that conversation was the furthest thing from everybody's mind as Tyreek Hill, 13 catches, almost 300 yards, absolutely scorched the Buccaneers' defense yesterday in a day that, man, like Pat Mahomes, stay healthy. But, man, if he stays healthy and you got Andy Reid in your guidance – it doesn't not feel like the sky is the limit for what Pat Mahomes can do, and, and is it fair to say that possibly in 15 years from now we might be talking about, you know, Pat Mahomes in the same way we talk about Tom Brady and his legacy? He uh, to me, he's the closest quarterback. That's kind of like a video game. Like he goes out there with such a positive attitude, it seems, and can see everything with the weapons he has. I wasn't surprised. I thought they might just completely. Uh, completely beat up the the Bucks. Bucks got a late touchdown to make the difference. But yeah, you're right. And we talked about it two weeks ago. We're talking about, oh, they're on a roll here. Pittsburgh's great, blah, blah, blah. And, you go, and by the way, how come we don't give the Super Bowl champs any credit? They prove it. They hit every test possible with Mahomes and Hill, the way they use Le'Veon Bell. Don't see who's beating that football team. I know Pittsburgh's good. They'll try and remain perfect tomorrow night. But you're right. Pat Mahomes is taking it to a different level. And I don't know if I'm going to say a passing of the torch. But I think everybody'd rather have Pat Mahomes a quarterback now than a Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, lots to get to, uh, and we will get into uh, football. Our Monday morning quarterback Natea Jail join us uh, at seven o'clock. In the meantime, uh, we are joined on the line uh, to kind of dive into a little more of what went down. Mike Tyson uh, back in the ring, and uh, people seem to be okay about it and enjoyed with what they saw. Cody Saftik from the Fight Network joins us here this morning, uh, bright and early. Good morning, Cody. Good morning, James. Longtime fan, so uh, finally glad to finally get to talk to you. So, oh, you're good uh, for my ego, really man. A long-time fan. Yeah. Cody, I don't want to start my weekday listening to that. <laughs> long-time fan. Ignore him, Cody. Oh, there you go. Ignore him, Cody. He'll go away. <laughs> Hey, hey, Cody, tell me well, this. We like, also how, have a good mutual friend of ours, uh, Glenn McDonald. And Glenny Mack always speaks very highly of James. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, finally uh, glad to talk to you guys. Awesome. Thank you very much, Cody. I appreciate that. And Glennie Mack uh, is a good dude as well. G- give me a sense. How, how did you view things from, from Saturday night? Is Tyson and Jones, like two guys at one time, were the face of the respective sport, it seemed. Uh, a little older, a little saggier in some spots, but how did you see it? Yeah, honestly, I thought it was a competitive fight. You have Mike Tyson hasn't fought since 2005. I mean, certainly his best days are behind him. And Roy Jones is one of the pound-for-pound greatest boxers of all time as a middleweight, as a super middleweight. Uh, I mean, surely him coming up to heavyweight can't go well. I mean, he's a, he's a one-time heavyweight champ himself. But, uh, you know, you have a one fighter who's 54 years old, 51 years old. What do you expect? What can you expect? But I thought it was competitive. It was eight rounds. It was an eight-round exhibition. Yes, only two-minute rounds. But these guys went out there and fought, and uh, they gave, I think, a much better spectacle to a lot of people than, than most would have imagined. I mean, the last time we saw Mike Tyson, he was uh, sitting down uh, on the stool, 
after the fifth round with Dana McCrud saying, listen, I'm done. I don't want to fight no more. I, I'm, I'm over with this. And so to see him come back, you know, 15 years later and be competitive in an eight-round fight, I mean, uh, that surprised me. Cody, did this only work because it was Mike Tyson? Are we going to hear Sugar Ray and Tommy Hearns say, hey, you know what, I'm in good shape in the mid-50s. I'll do it if people will watch. Or did this only work, and I say work from a monetary standpoint, that you know reports of the money were big because it was Mike Tyson? Yeah, it works because it's Mike Tyson, and it's the same reason that you can work a crossover fight between Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, because they're big stars, right? The casual fan is going to be lured into that. So actually, low-key, the co-main event on the card being Jake Paul, that actually brought in a lot more viewers than most people anticipated. So it's good for boxing to say, you know what, we want to get into the limelight a little bit. UFC's been killing us over the last few years, over the last number of years, you could even argue the last decade. The numbers have just been dropping off. How do we renew the interest amongst the younger crowd? Well, Mike Tyson's somebody that uh, everybody knows Mike Tyson. Even though that most people were too young to remember his fight, never saw it live. You see guys like Wiz Khalifa performing live at the venue, and they're saying they're such big Mike Tyson fans. These guys are all too young to remember him during his professional career, but there's an aura that follows him. So those boxing fans, they want to see Mike Tyson. They want to see Roy Jones. They're going to tune in. Now this younger demographic, they're okay with seeing Mike Tyson, but they want to see Nate Robinson, and they want to see Jake Paul. And they want to see these spectacles of these guys fighting as well. So that lures them in. They're introduced to boxing. They're introduced to these big stars. And then hopefully, now Mike Tyson is not going to be able to fight three times a year, but him bringing in new eyeballs and then being exposed to some of those undercard fights like the Badu Jack fight, who is a legitimate world champion, and even Jake Paul, you know, bringing in those extra eyeballs, uh, they could theoretically keep running shows without Tyson and Jones and just bring in some other big names here and there and build on what they already have. Yeah, I mean, stars ultimately sell. Cody Saftik from the Fight Network with us here on Sportsnet 650. So what now for Mike Tyson then? Like, are, are we going to see him fight again? Or, I mean, we saw him about, what, four, four or five months ago. He was pushing and shoving in a wrestling ring, and we've seen him do that before. But what's what's next for Iron Mike? Yeah, it's funny you ask that because everyone always talks about Iron Mike and his financial troubles. I mean, here's a guy that's made $100 million in his career but due to bad advisement from Don King, gave it all up, you know, and where's he at in his life? And Mike Tyson's likability is so strong that at any point he can just jump back in the ring and make money. So for this fight with Roy Jones, he has a disclosed pay of $10 million is what they figure the, the end number will be once he comes in his pay-per-view cut. $10 million for Mike Tyson. And then he goes on the record and says, no, I'm giving all the money to charity. I don't want the money. Uh, I'm just doing it to entertain the fans. You even hear him in his post-fight interview afterwards when, the, when they say, are you okay with the draw? Are you okay with the draw? Everybody thought he won. Are you okay with it? He says, yeah, I'm okay with it because I thought we, we, we had an exciting fight. We, we entertained the crowd. That's all I wanted. So he's at that point in his life where when he's not in the ring and he's not boxing and he's not doing something competitive, he balloons up to 250 pounds. He gets out of shape. His life kind of goes a little off the rails, let's say. And at least now when he's training and he's getting ready for a fight and it's an exhibition and, uh, you know, you have to take it seriously. As we saw with Nate Robinson, you know, this is not a game. Like, you have to go out there and, and give it your best. And at least it keeps him focused and it gives him something to do. But, I mean, there's no denying he's 54 years old. Uh, I'm sure he woke up on Sunday morning absolutely stiff as a board and uh, will remain so for the next couple of weeks because, uh, you know, the last time he fought professionally, he was 38. And that was really the end of him. He's asthmatic. He can't fight for more than four or five, six rounds. And then you see him come out here as a 54-year-old and uh, and deliver. Yes, there was a lot of clinch work in the fight, but uh, 
you know, he went out there and he gave a good go of himself. Could he do this again? Absolutely. Would there be willing challengers for him? Absolutely. You could run back a fight with Evander Holyfield, who's expressed interest in doing it. You could run a fight with Lennox Lewis, who's a guy who's expressed interest in fighting Tyson again. The problem there is those guys are legitimate heavyweights and would give him probably closer to a legitimate fight. Whereas Roy Jones, A, is a middleweight, so he doesn't really pose much of a punching power threat to, mm-hmm. to hurting Tyson. And uh, just the way his style is, you know, he's a reflex-based fighter. He's a counterpuncher. He likes to peacock a lot around the ring a little bit, throw the jab, throw the right hand, but not commit to these big power punches. So you can have an exhibition between two guys like that. Hopefully they don't hurt each other overly. But if Tyson wants to continue doing this, you know, they give him the wrong matchups, then, yeah, at 54, he has to be realistic about his prospects. Well, I would think, Cody, that, you know, completely agree with you that, if, as you said, if you're a Holyfield, if, if you're a Lewis, uh, come up with any name from the past in the 90s, and who knows what those boxers made and what they did with their money. If they saw those two guys fight, no one getting hurt, they're guaranteed, I don't think it's Mike, but I bet you there's some guys waking up this morning and grabbing some gloves and going to the bag and saying, "Hey, man, let's let's make some overtures and see." Because I don't think this is the I don't think this is the last we see of of Tyson. Do you? Yeah, you know, you make a great point. And where there's money to be made, there's always that opportunity. There's always that little carrot that's dangling that I can see them continue to do it for sure. And with Mike Tyson, it's not exactly who he's fighting. It's that he himself is fighting. And you mentioned it perfectly. You could take any number of guys from the '90s any number of guys, anybody, even if it was just a celebrity, let's say, and put them in there with Mike Tyson, and away you go. And there's another thing that we're starting to see now is that there's a lot of celebrities that are starting to get back into this celebrity boxing type atmosphere where these YouTubers are going at it. And a Jake Paul and a Logan Paul, uh, this is interesting, actually. So when Habib Nurmagomedov, who's one of the biggest UFC stars, defeated Conor McGregor, UFC title, gigantic fight, he jumps on the ring, he, he, you know, he pounds his chest on top of the cage, and it's like a huge moment. That initial gif first hits the web or Twitter, and it generates 2.9 million views almost, almost instantly within 12 hours. Bam! Um, the knockout over Nate Robinson with Jake Paul, and if and if you guys are on Twitter, I mean, it's everywhere. It's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. It's absolutely all over the net. Feel bad for yeah. Nate Robinson, but it generated 3.3. So just. Just to say that it outdrew the biggest UFC fight, and it was just a YouTuber with a non-professional record fighting Nate Robinson, the three-time NBA dunk champion, it just goes to show you that low-key, that fight was as big as the Tyson fight for a lot of people. I mean, and even my yeah. little cousin messaged me, and she's like, are you watching the fight tonight? I was like, the UFC? Because there was a UFC same night. She's like, no, no, the boxing. I was like, oh, yeah, Tyson. She's like, no, no, the Jake Paul fight. It's like, What? But that's what that younger demographic was interested in. So I can see them definitely continue to doing this. I can see them, you know, continue with these events. And there's going to be a lot more celebrities that come in. And if the celebrity, you know, wants to fight a Mike Tyson and it's an exhibition fight and they're going to go four rounds and uh, it's more of a spectacle than an actual competition, it it doesn't matter because people are just looking to be entertained. And it was entertaining enough that they could definitely run it back with a lot of options and, and people would definitely purchase it, I believe. Yeah, I think uh, I think most people who ordered the fight certainly seem to enjoy it, except for maybe Nate Robinson. Oh, if he remembers the night at all. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Hey, Cody, listen, I appreciate this. Nice to catch up with you, sir, and uh, let's do it again sometime down the road again, okay? Thanks, Absolutely. Cody. If you ever need anybody or you want to talk fights, I'm your guy. So uh, it was great chatting with you guys, and uh, have a good day. Awesome. You as well. There he is, uh, Cody Saptic from the Fight Network. Uh, looking back on Tyson Jones and, and I guess not to be forgotten, Jake Paul. Jake Paul.
well, who uh, does you know, demolish Cody, Nate Robinson. Yeah, you know, but Cody makes an interesting point there, right? If you're in business, you know you have fight fans. That's fine. I, I think, you know, boxing can look at at the fights that they have, the quality fights when they go, okay, here's a, here's a world championship fight in the welterweight in the, in the, in, in whatever weight category you want and go, okay, so the numbers have declined and there's Dana White with another UFC card. We're getting killed by, how do we generate it? And so what do you do? You go to the YouTubers, <laughs> you go to the YouTube and, and that's a great comparison. You know, you get the big fight and you look at the million, two million people see the gif and then you see three million people that Nate Robinson's everywhere. If you can find those athletes and I think you can find them. I mean, you're going to get into it a little bit by what social media did to pro athletes when they're watching Tyson. There's something about, you know, you watch the UFC and there's a respect for it, but you're not jumping into an octagon if you're coming off the street, James, because you're going, oh, I don't know how to do these holds and he's going to get me to the ground. And the next thing you know, he's choked me out. I'm tapping out. But a lot of people just feel, and there's there's boxing classes all over the place in the lower mainland, boxing workouts that put on gloves, that hit heavy bags, that go, I can do it. And boy, when you've got world-class athletes, they have a competitive edge, and thus you saw what happened on social media. But maybe that's the way to do it. So you don't need the athletes. You find some YouTubers, you find some celebrities, and the next thing you know, you got a card. That card is making money. Maybe that's the way boxing grows. And in between... These celebrities, you put, hey, here's a legitimate boxing fight in between it, too. Maybe you'll enjoy our sport. Not a bad marketing idea that they did. People still love a fight, right? Like, look at our look at our prime minister long before he became the prime minister. Yes. Like Justin Trudeau had a celebrity boxing match or a charity boxing match against Patrick Brazo, who was a legitimate black belt, who was a conservative senator. And, you know, JT knocked him out, right? I mean, remember the – and go, you go back, what? Perry, you go back 10, 15 years ago. Think of all those celebrity boxing things. Dustin Diamond, the guy who played Screech, who was who was suddenly stepping in the ring, right? You, yeah. you saw, what was that, Refrigerator Perry? fought, I think. Yeah, she fought, but like she also fought professionally beyond just the celebrity boxing, but there was, uh, I think, Manute Bowl and Refrigerator Perry. They they had one, like, you know, it was just all yeah. the sideshows for a while. But, man, like, the funny thing is, is we kind of chuckled at that stuff years ago with these faded stars, but man, there's clearly an appetite for this, like as Cody was alluding to. You know, Jake Paul, who I think for a lot of us in the sports world had no idea who Jake Paul was, you know, but from a from a pop culture standpoint, here's a guy who's got 20 million YouTube subscribers. He's got 13 yeah. million followers on Instagram. And, you know, there's a guy who's got a huge following for a young demographic. And, you know, mission accomplished for the promotion and the organizers uh, who were able to cobble together a couple of hip-hop artists. They had Snoop Dogg on the on the commentary. Uh, you had Tyson mm-hmm. and Jones, two guys in their mid-50s who, who brought kind of the legendary names inside the ring. But then you brought in the sideshows where Nate Robinson and, and Jake Paul. Is Bobby texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line here at 650-650. Did NBA slam dunk champion Nate Robinson look like he hit a backboard while going up for a dunk? What the hell, Jake Paul, YouTube sensation, knocked him silly. Yeah, I mean, Jake Paul, oh, my God. Like, I mean, we kind of – that was a WTF moment of the weekend, but at the same time, man, that was a devastating knockout. Like, somebody got really hurt there in that moment. No, and, you know, and so don't you think all the, the 20 million that follow Jake Paul are going to be on his every move? Some, you know, I'm not saying 20 million people but the, or the millions of people that follow him are boxing fans but I'm sure there's a few that brought it up. I'm sure he'll be talking about it for a while and they'll be going, what's next? 
So all of a sudden, it's not about the skill and, oh, he's fought from the streets and he's worked his way up to the top to win a belt. It's no, he's an influencer and he likes to box and he's gone into the ring. And if you watch him, hey, there's YouTubers. They're just playing games. They're doing nothing, but people are there. So why not escort them to, hey, uh, this is what I'm doing Saturday night and you can watch me. And I'll be curious to see the final numbers of all this, but it's not sport like we know it. But everything has changed. And maybe the oldest and the sweet science of boxing has said, hey, we've got some really good guys that people just don't watch anymore. Here's how we're going to sprinkle it apart. And we're going to bring some YouTubers in, some celebrities in. And they are going to be part of, part of the card. It's going to be a show. The show is not the fight. The show is everything that's going on. And it's kind of the side dish is going to be the fight. And maybe that's the way boxing goes for a while. 24 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this uh, Monday morning. He's Perry Selkowski. I'm James Sabalski. Seahawks back in action uh, on the Monday nighter against the Philadelphia Eagles. A very winnable game as they hope to maybe uh, add to their lead atop the NFC West division. We'll get into that. Plus, still ahead, we will also dive into, man, we have got to find a way to talk about hockey. And we certainly did, courtesy of Evander Kane and Ryan Reeves. Hockey's best soap opera at it again over the weekend. We'll get to that next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have I'm speaking. Him. He never met a soapbox he didn't like. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Well, there's a recent narrative surrounding the NHL these days that hockey needs a little more personality game has gotten soft well this weekend gave us a little bit of both of what many are craving happened on social media after youtube sensation jake paul knocked out former nba player nate robinson in a boxing exhibition saturday night Oh, boy, I was right, or as Snoop would have said, oh, Lord, after the fight. Now, former Vancouver Giant and San Jose Shark Evander Kane took to Twitter, and he suggested that Jake Paul should fight him next summer. And cue the drama. Well, Robin Leonard said, ah, step out of the way. Let real knights fight. Hashtag baby shark. And then Ryan Reeves saw this on Sunday morning and added, calling someone out to fight. We might have to wait nine years to see that. It might be a good prelim against Kevin Hart, though. So we got a little taste of that, and then it ramped up again on Sunday morning when both Kane and Reeves doubled down. So Evander says, Jake Paul, I'd wreck you. Easy to beat up guys with no experience and much smaller. August 31st, 2021, Vegas. We could see if you're really about that action. Hashtag your move. Ryan Reeves took to Twitter not long after and said, right after I take care of Biz Nasty at Rough and Rowdy, Jake Paul can get that smoke. Book it. Well, Evander caught this and added, always good to see the Reeves sisters chime in and try to hop on the coattails. But that's okay. I'll keep you both relevant. Well, the Vegas policeman saw that, and he responded with, I ain't never run from anyone's sister in my life, let alone for nine years. That shark logo on your jersey is the toughest thing about you. I expect a billboard apology for running your mouth. I'm sure you still got the number. To which Evander responded with, Might be the only billboard you've ever been on. 
Ah, good old-fashioned trash talk. Something you don't see publicly in the NHL too often. But this is a legit personal issue. These guys just straight up don't like each other, as Reeves explained on After Hours on Hockey Night in Canada last year, going back from their days in the Western Hockey League. We didn't like each other in junior. Um, I think it kind of started early in my career, you know, him running around and then I challenge him and he always tells me he's going to beat me up but would never fight me. And it was just that constant, him chirping, chirping, chirping and never doing anything about it. And I know the one time it was preseason, he, he waited till the refs came in and he sucker punched me over the refs. And, then, you know, that's just kind of what he always does. So uh, maybe 14 years in the making there, 15. Wow. Well, it picked up steam again Then when Kane was in Buffalo and Reeves in St. Louis and Evander caught the Vegas policeman with an elbow and things came to a head a little more than a year and a half ago in San Jose and, goal, uh, and the Golden Knights colliding in the postseason. And Kane are finally, after all uh, that chirping, go after one another. This is Kane playing Reeves' game, though. Yeah, I feel Myra's tougher because Ryan Reeves might be as tough as anyone in the NHL, but... Wow! Haymakers! Look, I'm far from being the biggest advocate for fighting in hockey these days, but a personal issue is great for the game. It creates headlines, it sells tickets, it adds intrigue and drama, and after all, we're talking about it right now this morning, in the middle of the offseason, with no return in sight. Look, the NBA for years has seen players go back and forth in interviews, on social media, and straight-up confrontations over perceived slights, girlfriends, and many other things long before we did it for the gram and tweeted something. Reeves seems to agree with that sentiment. I like watch, watching that stuff in other, other sports. There's not a lot of it in hockey. Right. Um, you know, I, I love the hatred in sports. It, it makes it a little more interesting. Um, you know, I wish there was a little more in hockey, to be honest. Hate. It's okay in sports. We hit December 1st tomorrow. Hockey season right now. Winter is officially three weeks away, and we are hardly talking about the biggest sports passion in this city besides talking about escrow and financial squabbling between owners and players. But for one day anyways, we long for the next time the Sharks and the Golden Knights will collide. Kane, Reeves, drama it works and you know what hockey could benefit more from it that's this morning's seaball says it always seems vander kane's in the middle of it i mean he does carry a different profile now with the uh hockey diversity package that he is in front of and 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 being i i like what was going on saturday i think it continued too much i mean evander is a social media guy and I, I often wonder, and, and James, you, hey, you played the clip. You know these guys have a long, long history. But there are some that are smart enough, and you being the king of wrestling, that you know, Vander Kane and Ryan Reeves uh, likely have each other's numbers. And, you know, if they text each other and just say, hey, man, we're going to ramp this up, uh, then, then good on them. I don't think they did. I do think the conversation is, He's going to his social media, seeing what he has to say, and Reeves calling him out like he has forever. It does get people talking. I don't know. We have this conversation with Bird all the time. Hockey players just aren't like that. They don't light the spotlight on them. And if someone does it the next time you come to the dressing room, they're like, hey, kid, what are you doing with that on social media? Just shut up. Don't stir the pot. Don't poke the bear. 
But what we've talked about the last hour, if you want to grow your fan base, sometimes this is the way to do it and build these meaningless games up to go, oh, no, this is going to be great. It's Reeves, it's Sharks, it's Golden Knights. What's going to happen? Kane going to be there? Reeves going to be there? Don't mind the play. Thought they went a little bit too far, but it does have people talking and they're trending on in the weekend as well. Well, and that's – Perry, I mean – are you not looking forward to the next time that the Sharks and the Golden Knights collide? Like the idea of those guys fighting, like just to, just to clarify for people and, and Evander taking to Twitter, you know, if if he wanted to go and in theory have a celebrity boxing match or have a, an exhibition contest against Jake Paul, let's say hypothetically, he runs the risk of voiding his contract, right? He gets hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same as skydiving, right, for a pro athlete. Like there's wording in contracts that just – don't really lend for that to really be pulled off when you're making that much money. And, I, you know, when you look at what Evander Kane is making annually, yeah, I don't think he wants to jeopardize that, right, to be cut loose with another five years of guaranteed money on the contract, right? But I would say this, Pear, like, man, like, with what's happening right now, in hockey and the fact that may – like, we're December 1st tomorrow. Like, Gary Bettman's dream – of getting the puck to drop January 1st, I think it's fair to say it's dead, right? To get a January 1 puck drop? But, man, like the yeah, conversation... Yeah, that's, that's not happening. Happen- no, it doesn't seem like that's happening at all. But, man, like to actually have a little bit of a hockey conversation, just genuine, just manufactured on social media where, as you said, there is a culture for years in hockey that has existed, like keep your head down, it's all about the team. But generationally, we are starting to see guys that are okay with having the spotlight on them and embracing it. And you know what? You may not all be the biggest fan of Evander Kane. You may not all like Ryan Reeves, especially when he's to going after you know certain Vancouver Canucks. But, man, like... They brought some personality, and they've accepted the spotlight in this sort of platform, and I think hockey's better for it right now. I've wondered this, and, you know, again, it comes back to wrestling. You you know the history of Evander Kane and Ryan Reeves. They actually don't like each other, and if 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 they have patched that relationship up, good on them not to do it socially and out for everyone to know. Go, no, you know what? They know I don't like you. I've said this. Uh, I respect for you. I like what you're doing. We've got to be in this together, but no one needs to know that. So we'll continue our feud on social media. If that's what they're doing, great. But, but you know, there is a history. How do you create that? And I would suggest that maybe the NHL looks at it, understanding what social media can do. And we are about to, when we do see hockey games, we will see a whole bunch of back-to-backs. That's where rivalries, that's where bitterness is created. So what do they do with it? If you don't watch the game and see that, you know, someone pitchforks someone else and they're nasty at it, but all of a sudden on social media, that player just goes, you know what, keep your head up tomorrow night. That was cheap. That was what all of a sudden people were retweeting it. Oh, my goodness, something's going to be big tomorrow night. Do you manufacture that as a, as a hockey team to go to that player and say, hey, you know what, I know you weren't happy on social media. The league doesn't have any problem if you call that guy out on his social media and go, you know what, that's a cheap shot. Play the game fair, blah, blah, blah. Because then what do we do? You play the soap opera theme. We're talking about it. I wonder what's going to happen. Did you see he tweeted it? It was retweeted. Other people liked it. This guy liked it. He must be in his camp. James, is it 2021 we're going to be and go, maybe that's the way this game markets itself as well? Maybe. I mean, look, I think the NHL has finally hit a point where after all these years there, 
they want to embrace the skill. I don't think they want to necessarily promote the fighting. But I'd be curious what the percentage of season ticket holders, especially from an age standpoint, right? Especially in America, where there is a sense that, man, you know, I like the physicality. I like the I, I like the dropping of the gloves. You know, I, I you go back pair about a year and a half ago. I went down to uh, to Los Angeles when I was voicing the video game for uh, NHL 20, and now we're on NHL 21. But we went down to voice a couple days with Snoop Dogg, and, and I've talked about the story before. But it was interesting to hear. We were just talking off off air at one point about the perception of the NFL, and hockey. And, you know, what do we talk about so often now in, in the NHL? It's like, oh, they're trying to get hitting out of the game. It's, you know, it's getting soft. You know, everybody getting suspended. You know, these hits that were okay at one time are not okay now. And, you know, Snoop was essentially, his perspective was, obviously, with the coverage that the NFL gets in America, he was like, oh, man, like the NFL, they're just going soft. They're taking hitting out of the game. He goes, but then you look at hockey, it's like, man, they don't give a crap about safety because what do you see? Like, what makes highlights in, in America? It's the big hits. It's the dropping of the gloves. It's that sort of water cooler conversation as opposed to, you know, a fight may not necessarily make the highlight reels anymore here. Whereas that's what kind of stands out in America. <laughs> so the perception, right, from a casual fan to a, a diehard fan now. Well, here's the thing, though. You know, let, let's think of the last three years um, with the Canucks and, and stories that, you know, had nothing to do with violence. What, what There were T-shirts out, a team like that. That's just Drew Doughty in front of microphones saying, I don't think the Canucks are that good. So that's got nothing to do with violence. If all of a sudden you play that first game of doubleheader and the player goes, ah, they're not that good. We'll beat them tomorrow. You go, okay, there's there's that bulletin board material that you're not supposed to put up there. What about Matt Murray when Brock Besser scored three on him? I don't think, I think he's lucky. He doesn't have a great shot. Okay, well, we remember those episodes because that's so out of characteristic of an NHL player mm-hmm. to actually demean his opponents. Saying, Team like that. They're not that good. Right? Team like Team that. Like that don't think he's that good. Nothing to do with violence, but if you create that and you get into a social media, go, hey, why don't you post it on social media? Yeah, okay. And you, you can even have an unwritten rule. Hey, guys, we're going to we're going to poke the bear to get more interest going, and that interest is going to be more revenue. And guess what? You don't have to roll back your salaries as much if we decide as a group this is how we're going to grow the game. Forget the hockey code. Sometimes you're going to have to take some shots at the opponents just to get them talking. Then just go play the game. But that'll get people talking. I don't think it's a terrible idea. 6.43 here on this Monday morning. Our Monday morning quarterback, Natea J joins us at 7 o'clock. Uh, coming up in a moment, uh, the women reminding us that anything you can do, I can do better. And not only that, but a ton of rubbernecking going on on social media with good reason as well. That's all coming up with no BS, just PS next on Sportsnet 650. It's all P.S. No B.S. Right here on the starting lineup. It's time to find a fact. Uh, no B.S. here. Just a whole bunch of P.S. of things that happen in the world of sports. You know, we can talk about this one because, you know, we mentioned the fight over the weekend. But the most terrifying thing that people saw in the world of sports occurred yesterday in Formula One. Uh, one car out there, and then grows onto the right-hand side. No wonder the fuel came out of it. Yeah. I said the fuel was in the middle of the car, and it's literally... Whoa! 
And he's just gone straight across Daniel Kvyat there, as you can see. That's extraordinary. Yeah. It's just the car has gone straight. through the barrier, you see. The car's gone through the barrier, and that's then been sort of used as a wrench, as it were, to literally rip the car in half. Unbelievable that Romain Grosjean walked away from that. His car was split in half at the beginning of the Bahrain Grand Prix. 220 kilometers an hour, he hit the barrier. That's 137 miles per hour if you want me to convert it for you. Um, Ten years ago, they said technology without the halo, there was no way he would have survived. He actually posted last night, stayed overnight in hospital, broken ribs and some slight burns to his hands, but said he's okay. James, I, I think, you know, you would see that once and that would be it. You, They would never have played that replay again because, you know, if, if there's a fatality, you don't see it. But that was played over and over again. And that was the replay that the announcers are kind of looking at it. Okay, let's see exactly what happened. It simply split in two and he gets away from it. Such a scary incident and he's going to be okay. That was crazy how long to be in a fiery... <laughs> crash right to be sitting there in a ball of flames and to still get out of there and you're just wa i mean i'm watching it just helplessly right and, you know from a yeah watch you're watching the, the video highlights of that on social media going okay where is that where is everybody i i got social distancing here in 2020 but there's a man who's in a car on fire right now get over there took a while to get the extinguisher going but the medical doctor was there and they review it and thought you know what they, they handle it as best they could you never know where the accident's going to occur but the good news is he is okay uh this is just straight ps no bs what a weekend for the ladies on the gridiron first this played out on uh, the vanderbilt football field on saturday Sarah Fuller will kick off for Vanderbilt to become the very first woman to compete in the Southeastern Conference in a football game and a Power 5 football game. And there she is wearing number 32. So Sarah Fuller with the squib kick to start the second half. What she did was probably more important. She gave a speech to the team that were getting killed at halftime and kind of said, you know what, how about you support each other? We get a first down. No one's cheering on the sidelines. She asked to address the team. She won a championship with the female soccer team there and said, it's about supporting in good and bad. And I'm going to call you guys out. There's no emotion on the sidelines. Good for her. And she says she will stick around there as long as the coach keeps her there. So Sarah Fuller was on Saturday. And then the Cleveland Browns chief of staff, Callie Brownson, made history yesterday in the NFL. as She was the first woman to fill in as a position coach on an NFL game day. The regular tight end coach, the position he took over, he didn't make the trip because his wife gave birth to a baby on the weekend. So her first job, she was with the Bills, a full-time intern. She had two seasons coaching at Dartmouth as an offensive quality control coach. She began her career with the an intern with the New York Jets, realized that organization is terrible, got out of there. So how about that? Saturday and Sunday, the girls, the big stories in football, James. You know, there was a movie from almost 30 years ago, uh, a comedy called Necessary Roughness, a football movie about a group of misfits starring uh, Scott Bakula and from uh, from Quantum Leap and Kathy Ireland, who was then like the cover girl for Sports all the SI Sports yeah. Illustrated swimsuit issues. And she played, you know, the kicker who joins this this 
ragtag football team and, you know, somehow kind of figure it out. Here we are almost 30 years later. It's happening in real life. Great story and a great inspiration, as we've seen a lot of Wonder Woman stories here in 2020. P.S. Mike Tyson, we've talked about it, jump back into the ring, but he wasn't going to change everything as but about his approach to the fight. I like to smoke so much weed, it's a need. I gotta have fun in my system black. Laid back with a yak and a sack up and down with my Cadillac. To feel as a chill, little pose for the hoes, man, I'm so high. I feel like I'm about to float up in the clouds and touch the sky. Yeah, Mike admitted after the fight, listen, no, I smoked up before the fight. That's what I do. Uh, in fact, I just smoked up before I came to meet you guys in the media and have a post-game conversation. Mike is chronic, and Mike just will continue to be Mike Tyson. Yeah, party going on back there? Individual events, Are we? Did we? Did we lose Perry? <laughs> did did Perry, did Perry turn into a uh, somebody else? Go into Freaky Friday on a manic Monday? <laughs> All right. On that note, for six minutes to seven o'clock. Oh boy, it's the end of November, people. Our Monday morning quarterback Natea J will join us in a moment, and we promise you there'll be no BS and PS, hopefully as well, right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey Sports Net six fifty. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. What do you think you're going? What's going to happen when you put two fifty-something guys in the ring against each other? You hope that they don't embarrass themselves, and they didn't. That it, I, I, Mike looks pretty good for a guy who's fifty-four and looked better than Roy Jones did. These guys are here to break it all down. Jason Jones, Rogers backpedals, puts it up top. Touchdown, Green Bay. That is so unbelievable, Mike. Alan Lazard with the leap. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. The Bears are who we thought they were. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Oh, brother. I'm not even getting started on what happened Sunday night. Sabolski, uh, Solkowski. And a reminder this hour of the starting lineup uh, presentation of uh, Dunbar Lumber. The smart alternative is at Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuta Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. Cyber Monday today for a lot of people there, Pairs. So uh, good day to be online shopping. And, if, uh, you know, the original social distancing, right? Hey, just order online. Who needs to go, have, uh, go anywhere? I haven't done like I, I'm not a I'm not a uh, I'm not a cyber guy I'm not an online guy but uh, my wife takes control of all this stuff and has uh, I think say she's completed but I, I tell you we get packages almost every day it seems like now very efficient Cyber Monday take advantage of it lots of good deals out there but I mean just who's going to a mall? In the state that we're in now, like if you don't have to and you don't, if you can shop online. Thing is, we ordered something yesterday. It said it'll be delivered by the second week of December. And then underneath it says you won't get this before Christmas. Cast just okay. can you read this again for me? Yeah, it says uh, December 9th. It'll be delivered. And then it says you won't get it before Christmas. I don't know. Just hit click. Go for it. It's the idea that counts. So every Christmas present, there'll be a lot of phone calls. Hey, you might not get it till like January 15th, but it's the thought that counts. So 
Why not? It's 2020. Everything's going haywire. Ukrainian Christmas. <laughs> yes. Did you ever celebrate that? Like no. I had some friends no, who kept their lights on, but I don't think I was ever at the Ukrainian Christmas celebration. Yeah, it sounds like a good time, though. Good food. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's get in our Monday morning quarterback, uh, Natea J on this uh, Monday morning. we got a pretty good Monday nighter tonight. If you're a Seahawks fan, worth watching. A game that the, the Hawks should, in theory, take care of business against the Philadelphia Eagles. Natea, good morning, sir. Good morning, James Perry. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. I, I, I guess I'll ask you this. When, when the dust settles in 15 years from now, are we going to be talking about Pat Mahomes the way we talk about Tom Brady now? A hundred percent. And it may be even in better light because his game is so fan friendly. Anybody can tune in and it's almost, I always compare it to that Steph Curry. He's got that wow factor. He does things on that field where you, you look and you just know you can't do it yourself, but you're just so amazed at, right? It, it, his game pops, it's fan friendly. It's fantasy football friendly. He hit, he checks all the boxes. It's fun to watch. It's everything we want to see a guy throwing the ball from all angles, deep, efficient he can run i mean there's nothing on that field he can't do and it's so much fun to watch i mean you know you're watching it it's almost like for toronto raptor fans when we used to watch vince carter right the guy was must see tv and now pat mahomes is doing the same thing but he's winning and he's winning super bowls and you know this run it's he's in the middle of a dynasty right now so it's it's everything you can ask for nate he is fan friendly he does have so many weapons the guy on the other side who he beat yesterday has won his fair share. And for the most part, he's done it with guys who were not all pro receivers. Will Mahomes be able to do that when he doesn't have a Travis Kelsey and he doesn't have a Tyreek Hill? That's interesting because the way the Chiefs has gone about it, they've got guys that fit his skill set to a T. I mean, you know, you get uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, but even uh, Sammy Watkins, who is a speed guy and fits that system perfectly uh hardman who they drafted when they thought tyreek hill wasn't gonna be able to play a couple seasons ago speed guy you know one of the fastest receivers in that system this year they draft uh clyde uh clyde edwards hilaire right just fits that system to a t and then they go out and get uh, a Le'Veon bell right just you know a different kind of running back but still fits that system so they're determined to give pat mahomes that he's the he's the franchise guy he's he's the prize possession they're gonna give him no matter what year it is the, the, the guys that fit his system, that fit his play style to a T, and I think uh, they're, they're determined to do that. Uh, uh, Natea Jay with us here on Sportsnet 650. So the Chiefs kind of take care of business. Uh, you got the Hawks tonight. Before we kind of dive into some other stuff uh, from, from yesterday, give me, I mean, here's an opportunity for the, the Seahawks to really kind of stake their claim in the NFC West here going into December where – you know, Rams kind of dropped the ball yesterday. The cards kind of dropped the ball. Like, this is a very winnable game that they should be able to take care of business on the road tonight. I agree. It's a very winnable game. And, you know, their defense has kind of come together in recent weeks, been a little bit more feisty in, uh, and holding opponents, uh, uh, you know, under, you know, 
30 points, and that, that's a win for them. But you've seen that they're getting a, a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. Dunlap is helping. Jamal Adams, they're using him to his strengths. That's helping. They got Chris Carson back tonight. That's huge. I mean, you saw what happened when Carlos Hyde gets in there, and, you know, they're able to have a little bit more balance, right? It just looks a lot better. Now Chris Carson is a better running back. I, I expect him to, you know, have fresh legs, as they say, and, and be able to uh, provide a spark. But, you know, they're in prime position to, you know, to stake their claim in the NFC West. Uh, with, with L.A. dropping the ball a little bit there. It's going to be a fun game. I know Philadelphia, they're talking about giving Jalen Hurts, you know, some reps, some first-team reps in practice this week. So we don't know what their, their the mindset of the Philadelphia Eagles are. Are they going to be excited to play this game, or are they going to be, you now as Carson Wentz, if he does play, is he going to be looking over his shoulder, right? So we don't know what's going on. Seattle needs to, you know, come out here and put it to them and put it to them early, especially if Hurts plays. I mean, it's a rookie quarterback. He's probably going to be a lot better at holding on to the ball because Carson Wentz was probably one of the worst in the history of football at holding on to the ball. So, you know, if you're if, if you're the Seahawks, you probably want Carson Wentz to play. Uh, just with the simple fact, you know, you'll get some free turnovers. But this is a game they, they must win uh, if, if they want to be uh, taken seriously in the playoff picture. Well, their next month, the Seahawks schedule is certainly in their favor. I think they get healthy at the right time. I'd, I'd look forward to seeing Jalen Hurts. I kind of like to watch inexperienced quarterbacks. That's why I watched a fair bit of that Denver game. Nate, uh, your take going in and how in the world that Bronco team was going to be able to do anything with a guy who had never played a quarterback position it had been years since he'd been there. It, it went exactly as you would think it was going to go, right? You were excited to watch to see, man, okay, what, what's going to happen? Right, you got almost two guys on both sides that aren't really quarterbacks and they're playing quarterback, but you got a guy that you know was on the practice squad at a different position. Like, how is this gonna go? Right. Obviously, he played quarterback in college, high school and college, and switched over to receiver, but it's been years since he played quarterback. How's this gonna go? But my big takeaway was for all the guys on Twitter that think they can go out there and complete an NFL pass, this was a big loss for them because you saw a guy that is talented. I mean, he is a great athlete. But he had trouble just, you know, he talked about it after. It's like the speed of the game. You don't even know it until you're in there, right? So for all the guys on Twitter that think they can go out there and complete an NFL pass, you cannot because they will feast on you like no tomorrow. So, I mean, it went exactly like we thought it was going to go. I think he struggled. He, he did the best he could. Much respect to him. He did the best he could. He was in an unfortunate situation there. And, and, you know, obviously the Broncos quarterbacks, you know, put the team in a bad position. And that was kind of your worst fear. You know, when you're playing football in this COVID uh, era, because you're thinking, OK, what happens if the most important position group, they all hang out together, gets hit with COVID? And you saw the result right there. So uh, it went exactly like we thought it was going to go. Uh, shout out to Kendall. He, he did he, the best he could, but that's exactly what you think is going to happen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and to watch it was a, he, he threw more interceptions than he completed than he completed passes yesterday. And you know, maybe the NFL needs an e-bug. Right, you know the emergency backup goaltender. Yeah. You know, maybe you need that neutral guy who you know sells you know sells beer. You know, obviously it's a little bit of a different year <laughs> with not a lot of fans in the stands. But guys, you know what I mean? Like you got the Zamboni guy who all of a sudden jumps in and saves the day. The yeah. David Ayers guy for uh, you know for 
for Carolina earlier this year against the Leafs. Maybe maybe that's what the NFL can go down the road with and just have that that neutral uh, stadium employee who pair in, in a moment of crisis can all of a sudden say, yeah. yeah, you may not know either offense, but you know what? You could throw a football because you were pr- you were pretty good at a, a one uh, a Division three school way back in 1999 and get in there and save the day. That's actually a great idea. I mean, I'm thinking about all the best uh, quarterbacks that, you know, are kind of backups right now or just backups um, in the league and, and are kind of retired, but they just played in you know, the last couple of years, you know, yeah. have them in the emergency situation, right? And and if a team has a COVID situation like the Broncos, at least they can go in and complete a pass. I mean, they're at least NFL-level quarterbacks they might not know. I mean, this guy, they said he had four hours you know, to prepare for the game where he had meetings with the coach, and he said himself he didn't know a lot of the coaches because of the way the COVID situation was going. <laughs> And uh, the way they're the meeting, right? So that would like be, t- you know, have honestly, you ever I think seen, that, would, that would be a great situation because it would look Have you ever this. seen anything like that, though? Like anything close to that in your career where, like, you lost all your quarterbacks or, or something? Like maybe you had you were, you were had to use a receiver on the old line. Yeah. Like did you ever have anything like that in all your pl- playing years? Yeah, I've seen that before where, um, you know, you lose your – you only have you only dress two quarterbacks – and you have a you know emergency quarterback, and sometimes it's a receiver, or running back. But they have a special package in there for him, where you know you, you don't expect to lose your quarterback, the, all your quarterbacks in the first quarter or the first half of the game, right? So it's usually in a situation where it's in the fourth quarter, and whether whether whatever is happening, you know you have two three plays that you can run, and every team prepares for that, right? They have an emergency quarterback, and at the end of practice, they'll run the you know a couple running plays and maybe an emergency pass play, right? So I've seen it before where it had to be in action, but it wasn't a situation where a team was already losing because if you lose two quarterbacks in the game and you got to go to your emergency quarterback you're already losing so the coach is like okay this game is done we're going to hand the ball off and and you know, run our two three our uh, run plays and and get out of here with you know our you know uh our, our heads held high so i've seen that before but never in a first quarter starting out a game where you got to go to your emergency guy because that that's just that's a recipe for disaster and it was a disaster and Natea Jay joins us for our Monday morning quarterback. And Natea, well, I want to get into a couple more games uh, in a moment here, but, you know, we'll wait and see. Uh, you know, Denver, there was no way they were going to be able to pull that off because of the quarterback situation. But we have seen some teams, and Baltimore apparently not going to their facility today, are not allowed to practice. They're supposed to play Pittsburgh tomorrow. I think they will force the issue and have that play. We have seen some teams stay away from their facility, have their Zoom meetings, then then play and then play well. Tennessee's been part of that. Do you think, I don't know if we can learn anything from 2020, but do you think that football teams down the road may not, and they don't put on the pads much anymore at all, but do you think they won't push guys as hard and go, you know what, more rest for the body? We're not going to have practice every day. Look, we've been successful by staying away from the facility. Will we learn something from what we've had to do here? Absolutely. There's always a lesson to be learned. And I think it's interesting that you say that because COVID is teaching businesses and, and football teams a lot of lessons. I mean, a lot of businesses, you look at it and it's like everybody's working from home. OK, their production is pretty similar. Let's do this when we come back so we don't have to pay rent in these facilities and, you know, travel costs and all of that. Right. So uh, business, uh, businesses are learning lessons, but football teams can as well. Usually in the football season during, you know, later part of the season there's a lot of rest that goes on anyway but you've seen this year where tennessee doesn't practice for a whole week comes out and wins uh oakland they don't practice uh, all last week right but they come out and they're hanging with kansas city so is practice really overrated and then they have a full oakland has a full week of practice this week and then they get blown out oh, by so yeah. 
it's 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 interesting practice is it's this year it's proving to be kind of overrated uh i hate coaches will hate to hear that because they want to practice and control what they control as much as possible and when you don't practice they have even less control and coaches go nuts when they have no control so uh it's something that i think coaches is, is going to be up to each individual coach and how they handle it but it's something to be looked at for sure because teams are being successful without being able to practice without being able to meet they're all doing everything on zoom anyway every position like guys aren't even getting together in the same uh in the same in the same room anymore it, all your position groups are, are are away from each other and you got two three guys per little a little cohort right so everything's different I think uh, lessons are going to be kept from this situation going forward for sure. When you hear so much in the football world about the Patriot way, the Patriot way, and for pretty much the better part of the last 20 years, almost every other NFL city outside of, you know, Boston, New England, and Foxborough, it's been, hey, the Patriot way, and there's been a little bit of envy. Um, And yet, Every time someone tries to go down the road of the Patriot Way outside of New England, it always seems to end up as a towering inferno. The latest Matt Patricia in Detroit. Why does the Patriot Way not work outside of New England? Simple. The Patriot Way has a lot to do with Tom Brady. I mean, when you take Tom Brady away from the Patriot way, it looks completely different. And a lot of these uh, assistant coaches, they'll go elsewhere like Patricia and you hear a lot of stories out of Detroit is, you know, it was all the misery of the Patriot way without the winning. So guys are miserable. Guys are, you know, celebrating when he got fired because he tried to do the Patriot way and he didn't have a Tom Brady. He didn't have a lot of those uh, the core defensive guys that they usually have. And, and it didn't work out. And it never, it seems to never work out. Bill O'Brien uh, didn't work out either. Um, Romeo Cornell didn't work out either. And it, the list goes on. There hasn't been, I think, you know, even Josh McDaniels, you know, that didn't work out. So it's, the list goes on of guys that haven't worked out. Joe Judge is, you know, the coach of the New York Giants, and he seems to be uh, doing all right. But Josh for the McDaniel, most part, the yeah. I feel like it's Tom Brady. I mean, that's the common number. You take Tom Brady away, and, you know, 20 years of success is, is, looks a little different without him. But, Nate, it's interesting because there's a lot of people today talking about Tom Brady and if he is the Patriot way in your mind going, well, why has Tampa Bay and Bruce Arenas not done a lot of play action? Is he using Tom Brady the right way? Do you think that's an issue in Tampa Bay that if Brady's the Patriot way, you needed to adjust more to Tom Brady or is that still a time thing? Oh, that's yeah. I I, I think they've done a horrible job of adjusting to Tom Brady's strengths. I mean, you look at what has got him successful in his whole career is efficient on first down. Right. And when you get to third down, it's always third and five and short. But they're trying to, you know, impose this vertical passing game. Arenas is per uh, Arians is per vertical passing game. He's dedicated to that scheme and they're low percentage throws. Right. Tom Brady isn't a low percentage uh, type of quarterback. He's a high completion quarterback then because he throws short passes, uh, uses the run game, uses play action and uses all the things that make him successful. But they're not doing that in Tampa Bay right now. Obviously, they're trying to force the issue. You know, he's you know throwing a lot of deep balls. He's thrown seven interceptions in the last four games. That's the most he's thrown in, in, the, in the last nine years. Right. So, you know, the things there's a lot of disconnect. I think they need more time, you know, not having training camp. I mean, not having, you know, they're not even having meals together. Tom Brady isn't having the opportunity to, you know, spend extra time with his receivers. And a lot of the things, issues I see is, you know, the scheme isn't a great fit. 
but also there's not a lot of continuity. Guys are running, you know, one step off on their routes, and that causes an inaccurate throw, tip, interception, right? That's a lot of things that are going on right now uh, with, with, with Tampa Bay. And, you know, right now they've got a string of four. Their next four games are against, you know, below average teams right vikings falcons twice and lions right combined 13 and 20 record so they can turn it around now and i think they can get hot and then you know then we'll see where they're at after that but right now when they face top 10 teams they're they're own own four against top 10 defenses right and that says a lot that means their offense isn't clicking the way it should be and it puts a lot of stress on their defense because they're beyond the field a lot right so that's a good defense but if they're on the field a lot they get stretched thin yeah, no, we saw a couple of pretty good defenses get exposed over the weekend as well. And, you know, the other thing, I I heard Ross Tucker uh, saying this earlier this morning on our sister station, uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan out in Toronto, uh, Nate, and, you know, he stressed that it's negative reinforcement is sort of the Patriot way. The coach that always puts you down. And yeah. I guess it's one thing if you're Bill Belichick and you're getting results when you had Tom Brady, but man, like there's a lot of guys that if you're not winning, like that act gets tired real quick. And that was sort of the conversation that we were hearing coming out of Detroit where negative reinforcement. I mean, ultimately Tom Brady decided he didn't want to go back for another season in, in, yeah. in New England, right? Rob Gronkowski didn't want any more of that, right? But negative reinforcement. It's one thing if you're winning and you can get away with that sort of, you know, ass-kicking coach. But if you're losing all the time, I would think as a player, that message has got to get real tired real quick. Yeah. And, you know, the the, the saying goes, winning cures all, right? When you're getting negative reinforcement and you're winning, you're like, okay, maybe this is how to win. Because at the end of the day, all you're there, your whole uh, job is to win. And if you're winning and you you can take a little bit more. But when you're losing, like the Lions were, and you're getting kicked in the butt – it's not fun. It's, it's like almost the wins almost feel even worse than than they usually do, right? And that's saying a lot. But that's why you see like a lot of their players on Twitter when Patricia gets fired, they're sending all these memes out. They're celebrating. There there are a lot of memes going out of them dancing in the locker room when he gets fired because it was it was so miserable for players. And I can't imagine losing in football sucks. Like it sucks. It, it takes over your whole week. It takes over your life, right? You're, that's what you're investing. You put so much time in it. But then when you go into meetings and you're getting put down even more, it just it creates an environment where guys don't even want to show up for work. And that's what's going on in Detroit. And um, they, they need a coach in there. I mean, they had Jim Carter who did uh, a way better job, but they've got a lot of assistant coaches in the NFL that, you know, they can get right now to, to kind of write the ship. I'm thinking of the Chiefs assistant coach, Eric Bieniemy, who has a fantastic offense and he's due for a job soon. So uh, they got a lot of options and uh, anybody but Patricia would probably get the job done there. Uh Natay, before we let you go, you just said, man, losing in football sucks. So what are the Chargers defensive players thinking today when, you know, the, the chances of them winning were slim, but but they're at least in a position to score onside kick and have a chance, and they run the football with no timeouts left. The coach just didn't want to mention it. it yeah, we made a mistake. How do you make a mistake like that? All the coaches, everybody on the field, not not just to clock clock the ball and let's set up again. That, that whole Chargers game was – I have no idea what to make because I was watching that game, and I'm like, the, the whole time, they, the, the Lance Lynn, I mean, throughout the whole season, he's had a tough time, you know, getting clock management issues and, you know, calling the right plays at the right time. And it just, it just seems like he's just – 
he just he has no idea what he's doing. I think he may lose his job because of it because he's got a fantastic quarterback. And at the end of the game, there you have a chance. Obviously, you know they're dis there's discombobulated from the start. I mean, they were trying to clock the ball, and then and then Herbert's telling his receiver to go off for a route. His receiver doesn't go off for the right route, so they got to throw the ball on the ground. Then then you go for a sneak. No one knows you're sneaking except for the uh, except for the quarterback, and he gets mm-hmm. crushed there. So. First of all, you shouldn't be running the ball in that situation. You should not be running the ball in that situation. You have to throw it because a run you have no timeouts on the run play pretty much ends the game, right? And it's low percentage. Um, there's, a, there's a disconnect between Lance, uh, Lance Lynn and uh, what he's trying to do there, and it's 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 not looking good. It's not looking good at all, and it's 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 terrible because you've got a, a fantastic young quarterback, and he's probably thinking, man, I got a job for years with this young quarterback, but he's just not getting it done. I think it's uh, it's a situation where you may, if they weren't in San Diego or L.A., you may be looking at you know getting fired, but he's such a low – um a small market team right now i mean they came from san diego to la but no one's paying attention to them so he may be able to keep his job for a while but that was that was that was not uh that was not a good way to play football right there my friend always nice to catch up with you uh stay safe out there and uh enjoy the monday nighter tonight and enjoy the tuesday nighter as well tomorrow more football, I love it. James and Perry, it's always fun. Take care, guys. Stay safe. You're the man. There he is, uh, Natea J from the All Ball Podcast, our Monday morning quarterback uh, diving in across the landscape. Man, you can you can be a jerk when you're winning, but pair people, you know, nobody wants to listen to that stuff when you're not winning. And Matt Patricia's record in almost three seasons, terrible, just terrible. Think thirteen to twenty nine, just not good enough. And well, you know, when you got people that are celebrating when you get fired that you were that you were their boss, that really speaks volumes about what your perception was. And and man, like even just the image that he projected, he tried to bring in an attitude, and it bombed. Yeah, he it, it just didn't work for him. You know, it's funny that some of the Lions fans donated to Deshaun Watson's charity because they were that was their way of thanking them for coming in on Thanksgiving. Blowing apart Detroit and essentially being the nail in the coffin to getting rid of him. So that's, you know, how can we help? How can we help the Texans out? Deshaun Watson destroyed us. You know what? We're going to donate to your charity. Thank you so much. But you're right. And, and it's not just Matt Patricia. You know, I was reading some numbers. It was just absolutely crazy. The number of coaches, the disciples of Bill, of, of Bill Belichick, who've gone, I think only one of them has had a winning record. And I don't know if you take that mentality. It's one of those things. If if all you know is winning, and the way you won, like you said, is with some negative reinforcement, but you go on Sundays and win, it doesn't matter. And we've heard it a lot of times. I don't have to like my coach as long as we're there together celebrating a Super Bowl. But at some point you do. You have to play for each other, and it hasn't worked for those who have left Belichick right now. And so Detroit gets another shot with a football team that I don't think is terrible. But, man, when you got guys celebrating your coach as being fired, Boy, that tells you something. So uh, we'll see where it goes. And right now we'll see what Bill. Bill wasn't out coached yesterday. He was okay. But right now this whole who's going who's gonna to be better, Bill or Brady, when they separate? I don't know. It's kind of like the Tyson exhibition fight, isn't it? It's a draw from a couple of old guys right now. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to look at it. Uh, 26 minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Monday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. Uh, more drama involving Vasily Podkolzin, along with, uh, yes, as Perry alluded to, a, a fight that a lot of people sat up and took notice for. Maybe we were just that desperate for sports to be excited to watch two 
50-year-olds going at it in the ring on Saturday night. All that's still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 731. A reminder, this hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuta Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. I'm James Sabolski. He's Perry Solkowski. And, uh, you know, I guess we continue to wait. tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow is December 1st, and pair still no word as um, U.S. Thanksgiving has come and gone. Uh, we still haven't heard anything official from the NHL or the Players Association since it was uh, requested by the owners to kind of by the players to uh, offer more concessions and still nothing. I, I would think that ho- hopefully this week will give us some form of clarity going forward because at some point in time, like this window is going to get smaller and smaller for the NHL to come back and resume playing, especially with the NBA is going to tip off in three weeks. Here's what the NHL did good in the summertime. Uh, they, they, were, they were really good at having these collective bargaining meetings and didn't say a whole lot. Now, granted, it was, you'll look at my right hand, but you don't know what my left hand's doing. We we're just going, are they going to play? Or are they going to play? And they were. In the meantime, they're hamming out a CBA, and they were the toast of all leagues. Go, my goodness, in a pandemic, you've got yourself a deal. Obviously, a deal that uh, NHL players are now thinking, well, you, you agreed to it, and now you want to break it. I do like the fact, and yeah, it's very early here on Monday, but it's already 10 o'clock. I think this week is their biggest week. I don't think January 1 is an option. I don't think players will give Gary Bettman that option. But it might not be a bad thing, James, that our insiders like Elliot and Chris don't have information because I think Gary Bettman might say, you know what, enough. We've spent the last two weeks, and they're talking about us, and all the talk is about negative stuff. So everyone keep your lips shut. And let's just start getting this and figuring it all out. Um, it is a massive week. I think by the end of the week, we will get a better idea. I don't see the players walking away from anything. Um, but I, I don't think it's terrible if we don't hear anything. If we just go, yeah, apparently they talk, but everything's really tight. That's probably a better way to get negotiations done. And that usually is the way the NHL and the players solve their problems. But I don't, I don't just, hey, it's it's December this week. I don't see them playing. They're not playing January 1st. I don't think they ever intended to. And part of it is because that's what Bettman wanted. And the players are going, why does he get everything he wants? You guys are just coming around and we think you're screwing us with this deal. Here's what we'll do, whether it's January 15th or February 1st. But I'm not going to say the silence is a terrible thing. That might be the best way to get this done. Well, here's hoping. Uh, here's Elliot Friedman. Speaking of which, uh, you alluded to uh, Friedman on his thoughts in terms of where things sit and uh, what the outlook looks like for the uh, for the players' association in the league. I think they're going to figure out a way to get this done. I just think the long term damage. If everybody else tries to play and the NHL doesn't even try, it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster, and I refuse to believe that that's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I'm with. I would totally agree with Elliot's sentiment there, right? I, they're going to find a way to play. I don't think it's going to be as contentious um, a situation as we've seen with lockouts in the past. But Perry, here's what here's what I think the damage is here in a lot of ways that you've been in a situation for the last what decade or so, or at least the last five to seven years, where 
there's been a good relationship between the players and the league. And suddenly you're in jeopardy of compromising all of that within the last two weeks. Look, I think in some respects the players have to be mindful of the fact that, man, we are in a pandemic and this has gotten worse. But the owners also have to be, except to eat some of this crap too, because to wait this long to bring it up, to wait now, and to not recognize that this might get worse before it gets better, um, to kind of change your tune that quickly after a few months... But, man, there's a lot of businesses that are taking a beating. I mean, look, just look at, I mean, look at the Dallas Stars, for example. and Look at their owners, the you know, the Gallardi family, mm. right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a hotel and restaurants. Like, how about trying to find a room right now in Vancouver? I'm sure, like, the entire hotels are probably open right now, right? It's like going, you know, restaurants, taking a beating these days. And that's, like, those I- are a lot of owners that are impacted that way. I can't believe when they signed this, there was not some kind of a caveat going, you know, we, we may have to look at this again because there is, we're dealing with the unknown. And I can understand the players going, hey, hey, you signed this in July. Don't come back and say, do this. But James, did you and I, did our families think we would be in this situation if they would have asked us in July? Eh, we'll get through summer. Hopefully September is okay. But this second wave and to reach numbers that our city and our province and the country has to get into it like this, no one could have predicted this. So the players can't give a deal, but this is what you promised me. Yeah, but guess what? We're in this 50-50 partnership and we're about to get screwed again because we can't have anybody come in to, to watch you play. So unfortunately, yes, we might have promised you that, but be realistic. And I, that's not an easy pill to swallow in any kind of circumstances. A contract is a contract. Well, guess what? We're losing more money than we anticipated. We thought that you guys could be playing in January and we'd have people in the stands, and that's not happening. So we're losing. So unfortunately, you have to lose. And guess what? If we ever get and start winning again, you'll win again. Uh, it's tough, tough to swallow for the players, but... As Elliot says, if you don't do it, you've completely screwed yourself. We always talk about that next TV deal. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be as big in the States, but if you're not playing, well, guess what? You're going to lose even more money because you're not getting the TV dollars. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, to not be visible and, and to sit there and wait. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It is critical that they get back on the ice sooner rather than later here. And especially, again, it, this is the time that people associate. They think of hockey. I mean, think of all those, you know, the Midwest of America, you think of the Northeast states when there's snow on the ground, that's when you think of hockey, not in the middle of July or August like we saw this past year that clearly had an impact with, with the numbers, you know, the lowest rated Stanley Cup in, in 13 years. And maybe, maybe the teams and the markets had an impact on that with Tampa and Dallas, but fact is they got to get back and running. Um, another story over the weekend, pair out of Russia, and um, the drama that is, you know, the Pod Colson saga. And, you know, it's been a year and a half since the Canucks took him 10th overall at the draft in Vancouver here. And you look at kind of waiting and waiting and waiting and the mystique. And, you know, look, playing in Russia, I mean, you know, what's fact, what's fiction, I think you always have to take with a grain of salt. But this weekend, you know, a lot of criticism starting to be pointed towards um, Pod Colson, his lack of production in Russia. And and it's funny because now it's 
there is this article that's written and the perception is almost like, okay, well, there's propaganda out of Vancouver that, you know, Jim Benning is trying to justify his selection here, save protecting his a double crooked letter. And the Vancouver media is just just still buying into the hype that he's going to play along with, you know, Bo Horvat or Elias Pettersson when he gets here. But in Russia, the kind of the knock is that, well, you know what? The numbers aren't really there. He just hasn't been very good playing in the KHL and that there are other young players who had a lot of success, like, you know, uh, you know Nikita Kucherov and, and other players. And so, I mean, look, I, I just to see that and hear the rhetoric for the better part of the last year in this, all I can say is from my own personal standpoint, we are about four, five months away from this being over. And listening to how the Canucks have painted this guy, it is a completely different narrative than what we've heard about Ole Olevi for pretty much the last five years. That Jim Benning, you know, Chris Higgins, Stan Smeal, they've all kind of gone on record to say this guy is ready for prime time in the National Hockey League. And not so much about the, you know, he needs time to marinate. Yeah, and maybe the truth's a little bit in the middle. I mean, you know, how much do you want to invest in a young player who's just counting the days down before he can leave your club? So there's your KHL situation. Um, he was sick. It wasn't COVID, so he hasn't played for the last little bit. You know, we, we got a chance to see him in the World Juniors. I think there's some players that star in the World Juniors, and then you go, wow, that was the bright spot, and that's it. And there's others who, um, you know, you just, hmm, how are they going to translate to the game? But you're right. Chris Higgins was on our show about a month ago, and there's no hesitation amongst anyone in the Canucks organization to say, no, he can play with us right now um, because he likes to play big and he get, he's get he's you know he, he's ready to jump in and he'll probably be more effective on a North American ice surface. You have to trust the organization. To your point, it wasn't like the Ole Olevi's ready to play now. They're they're kind of finally after four years going. You know, I think he's ready to play now, but. Bud Colson is coming over with that kind of label that, hey, you're a right winger. We're weakest at right wing on this team. There are going to be opportunities for you. Um, I could understand it being tough for the kid to play on a team where maybe they just are looking at him like, you don't want to be here. It's too bad you can't get him out of a contract. But if we get the world juniors, and we'll get more into that with Michael Dick, who's an assistant coach of Team Canada in the 8 o'clock hour, if, if they get this tournament off the ground, he's ready to come. Quinn Hughes was ready to come here when he went back to Michigan and his year wasn't fantastic. Cause I think mentally kind of had checked out. Like I can play with these guys and maybe Pud Colson's the same thing. I, I have a tough time believing that yet again, the Canucks have hit a home run that as soon as he gets over here, he's ready to make a difference, but he hasn't made a difference in the KHL right now. And you can give him some reasons as to why. And it may be a combination of both He's not that interested in the team's not that interested in him. No, and I think when you, when you know that you know you've got an expiring asset, you know at a young age, like what's the point? I think sometimes to, is it worth investing all that time going forward for a team that's already pretty deep? We'll get into this a little more coming up at uh, at eight o'clock in your Canucks commute here on Sportsnet six fifty. And uh, as Perry mentioned, uh, you know Mike Michael Dick, the uh, the head coach of the Vancouver Giants, assistant coach for Team Canada, who's uh, stuck in the middle of isolation or quarantine right now uh, in Alberta. We'll get to that uh, with him also. So in the 8 o'clock hour. All right, 7.42 here on this uh, Monday morning. Did you order the fight? Did you watch Tyson? Did you watch Jones? And what'd you make of it? We'll get into that next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
Gene Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 747 on this Monday morning. James and Perry uh, hanging out with you on this uh, Monday morning. Um, Jake and Port Moody texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line here, Perry, saying, guys, I ended up purchasing the fight on Saturday. My teenage sons were very interested to see Iron Mike. Have to say it was a spectacle, but hands down, best part of the pay-per-view was Snoop Dogg. His comment that stole the show was, looks like two uncles fighting at a backyard barbecue. Which... <laughs> Snoop was funny on this one, but now we got this morning in the last few minutes, Evander Holyfield just taken to Twitter, posting a picture of him all geared up, saying, I'm ready to go, hashtag Team Holyfield. And reports are that Evander's asking $25 million to uh, step back into the ring for Mike Tyson. Is that what's next here? You knew it was coming. Oh, you knew it was coming. When the Tyson when Tyson started trending and it was all the talk, and we mentioned it earlier, to use social media to have a YouTuber on the card, an NBA guy on the card. So you had a great cross-section of, of society going you know what all kind of watches and as jake said then there's kids who now fathers are going okay yeah no i used to watch tyson all the time you can take a a peek at what this guy is they didn't embarrass themselves so we have it in golf you're gonna go watch these guys who can still play at age 50 you never thought it would happen with boxing because we know what injuries and concussions can do but there's going to be some guys like we don't know the final number, but the reports are at least $10 million went to Tyson. He was saying he'd give it to charity, but you know, Evander, Evander's coming in hot at 25 million. No one's paying that, but I do think for a while, and there's only a few names that if you go do it and say, Hey, you want to give me 10 million, you put a card together that is sprinkled with some other athletes, uh, you know, other other people with, with some notoriety to the public that are willing to jump into the ring. Man, this isn't the first over-50 fight, James. Not at all. No way is it the first over-50 fight. Others are coming out of the woodwork because that's what they know. That's what they do. Two-minute rounds, heavier gloves. You're going to get a lot of guys who are going to throw their hat in the ring. Well, I mean, money talks, right? And so whether or not, uh, I mean, various reports suggest that Tyson made around $10 million. I'd be curious to see what the the pay-per-view buy will come in at. Um, you know, we talked to um, Cody Sapic in the 6 o'clock hour from the Fight Network about just, you know, boxing still has the stars, right? Boxing still has the star power compared to mixed martial arts where the UFC, the UFC still needs more of those names. And here's Mike Tyson at 54 years old still creating a buy. And with and with young people, like Jake's talking about his teenage boys wanting to watch the fight, mm-hmm. right? My, my, I said this earlier. There's my 15-year-old nephew who ordered the fight and was like, man, it this was amazing. He just thought it was the greatest thing, right? The Jake Paul knockout of Nate Robinson, you know, Obviously, people enjoy a, a sideshow, and I guess the timing of it was perfect given that so many people are at home, people are starving for content, uh, there was no NFL games on the Saturday, it was a holiday-long weekend, with uh, obviously in the U.S., with U.S. Thanksgiving. Pair, I mean, I don't know if it was just a simple case of the world, you know, the, the moon's aligning on Saturday for this, but I was, I was somehow shocked uh, to see how many people were engaged on this. Uh, and to see where it kind of went, and then and then the fallout that the oh hockey benefits from the rub because then you get the you know the best soap opera right now in hockey is Evander Kane and Ryan Reeves, and you know they kind of put aside their differences in the summer 
but it was full on on the weekend on social media talking about calling each other out, and and here we go again. So, like, everybody was talking about fighting this weekend for the first time in a long time. But I think a lot of us, James, you and I were talking, we brought Stephen Brown on last week, we're talking because it's Mike Tyson. I do think there's a there's a group of people that watched in part because Jake Paul was fighting and all his millions of people that follow him on YouTube. So I will put my hand up and go, uh, who is this guy? What's he doing? But it doesn't matter if he brings people to the gate and they jump in on it. Now, if if we're announcing tomorrow that Lennox Lewis is fighting Evander Holyfield, I'm going, oh, okay, really? You want me to give you 50 bucks for that? I'm not doing it. And I think there's a lot of fight fans that dope because Mike Tyson is still one of the biggest names. He's Tiger Woods of golf, right? Nothing against Jordan Spieth and nothing against Dustin Johnson. But still, when Tiger Woods is involved on a Sunday, more people watch because he is good and bad. He's Tiger Woods. And that's still what we learned about Mike Tyson, that him jumping into the ring, his little video spurts of going, wow, he looks in great shape. You're curious. But I do believe there was a big group of people that watched because of the undercard. And so if you put it together, they will come. We do have Snoop Dogg, your pal Snoop Dogg. Hey, this helped too, because it wasn't just fighting. It was entertainment. And Snoop Dogg brought it on Saturday as a color commentator. And Mike Tyson all over Roy Jones Jr. Snoop. This is like two of my uncles fighting at the barbecue. <laughs> get, get your uncle out of there. Get him out You go meet me in the backyard. I'm tired of this shit. Come on. Come on. Meet me back here, huh? Get, it, get, it, get up in there, there, Roy. So good. The the dog. What do you call him? The dog, dude. Does he? Snoop? What did he call you? Seaball? Did he call you James? He called me Big Game James. Big Game James. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, oh man, he, just, he gave me a nickname. Pump, pump my tires. Yeah, he basically stole James Worthy's name, but I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Take it. I wasn't uh, disputing. Oh, that's the slap shot. Slapper. Clapper. I call it a slapper. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) (laughs) See, all that training for the video game paid off for all those people that ordered the fight on Saturday night. But personality, right? Like, honestly, that, like, people crave personalities in 2020. I mean, Pear, look at it. Whether it was Mike Tyson, a name from the past, Roy Jones Jr., a name from the past, and a YouTube sensation, and Jake Paul and Nate Robinson, a name from the past, it kind of had a little bit of sideshow, but you know had had some familiarity. You got Snoop on commentary. You got Wiz Khalifa performing. Like you've got all this, you know, mix it all together, stir it up in a pot, and what do you got? You got a pay per view event that everybody seemed to enjoy overwhelmingly on Saturday night. Hey, you got me into uh, the boys, which I've been watching now. What is it? It's all contrived, right? They're superheroes, but we're going to script this. This you're going to rescue this person. It's going to be scripted, and you go, well, no, it'll it'll play well to the audience. And to your point, wasn't just about a fight on Saturday. It was about this is going to be an entertainment package for a whole bunch of people across society, not just fight fans. And I would suggest that this morning, those who put it together, are thanking Mike and Roy. And thanking Jake and Nate for, unfortunately, Nate, are you okay? But thanks, Nate. And going, that was the success. Who's next? And there's Evander. Oh, I'm in for $25 million. They're not making that much. I don't know if the next name is there, but I bet you we see Tyson again. And I bet you we see some kind of a, a format like this. And I don't know how we sell it. Not senior boxing, but another boxing event. And sprinkle it in with the real guys, too, to get your sport growing again. So people go, oh, that's how it's supposed to be done. So uh, it was a success for everybody, and I can't believe how many people bought into it. 
But that's the business, man. It's show business. It's performing, and that's what it was Saturday. Uh, so texting in on the Dunbar Lumber text line saying, Jake Paul's someone who shouldn't have a platform. He got arrested for rioting in Arizona, believes COVID-19 is a hoax, continuously throws house parties in Cali during COVID lockdowns. You know, And there's a guy that I think a lot of people would pay money to see him get his ass kicked or at least hoping yeah. so on Saturday night. Right. And that's honestly like what's, what's sold fights for years. I mean, Ali before he became the people's champion essentially was, I mean, so many people wanted to pay him to see, get his mouth, get his mouth shut. Right. The Louisville lip. I mean, the same as Floyd Mayweather for a long time. A lot of people want to watch Floyd fight. A lot of people want to see him get his ass kicked. Um, anyway, we'll continue the conversation uh, in the eight o'clock hour. Lots to get to your Canucks commutes just around the corner as well. Uh, man, Elias Pet going next level in his uh, social media game uh, over the last few days. We'll get to that. Plus, Michael Dick, the head coach of the Vancouver Giants and assistant for Team Canada at the World Juniors. We'll get into that next right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet 650. Spicing up your morning drive with the Canuck Commute. I think they're going to figure out a way to get this done. I just think the long-term damage, if everybody else tries to play and the NHL doesn't even try, it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster, and I refuse to believe that that's going to happen. This is the starting lineup with James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski. Uh, it's 8 o'clock, hour number 3 here on this Monday morning with the starting lineup. Sabalski and Solkowski, your Canucks commute here on this Monday morning. Uh, we'll be joined by Michael Dick, uh, head coach of the Vancouver Giants and assistant coach for Team Canada, who's in the middle of quarantining right now. Uh, we'll get to check in with him in just a few minutes. But, Para, uh, wonderful. Like, uh, I don't want to say uh, eyebrow-raising, but stunning pictures uh, from uh, – a story in the New York Times of how Elias Pettersson, Patrick Chan, Alex Edler um, hopped on basically a helicopter uh, and took off and played pond hockey in like a insanely beautiful and remote location playing a little pickup hockey. Like just the stuff you dream of. And they did it on uh, in the last few days or earlier this month, actually. Thatcher Demko uh, also a part of the right group too. I, you know, I don't know, and maybe it's just you and I being involved in it, but it seems prior to 2010, right? You know, pond hockey is a great thing, but then there was that image uh, that was used so much during the Vancouver Olympics of a guy skating in a Canadian jersey and wherever it was, right? And you've got the helicopter shooting him and he's just going forever. And it's just absolutely beautiful. But yeah, there is an influencer um, who reached out to them, um, you know, Chan and, and uh, Pedersen and the likes, Troy Stetcher of the Wings, obviously all the local guys who were around here and said, hey, I've got this idea. So they went out and uh, were flying around and saw this glacier and just said, OK, you know what? How about this? Let's essentially get into some pond hockey. And they did exactly that. But it's absolutely stunning, the guys, you know, with the YouTube cameras on it. But, yeah, I mean, that is Canadiana. I'm sure in Europe they would do the same thing. But I don't know how often you did, James. I just got a couple of times where I actually was on the frozen pond, but they're on the glacier. And it's unbelievable, the pictures. It's just the perfect crisp day. Uh, and what a treat for, you know, it's secluded, but what a treat for those guys to go out there because – it's just like that's why they brought the outdoor games back to the NHL to remind everybody who had that opportunity to do that. And that's what they did a couple of weekends ago. 
you know, it, it's it's been a COVID world. It's been a lockdown um, for, uh, you know, for a lot of parts uh, around the world and in North America here. Um, we've obviously seen some significant restrictions here upon us in this province over the last three weeks, especially. But I'll tell you what, has mission number one for the Canucks um, this offseason been, you know, Elias Pettersson uh, and, and building his his brand? Oh, see, now here's here's the debate we got into when we say, how do you sell things? Is that mission one for the Canucks or is that Pedersen being a young man, lots of time on his hands, on his phone and deciding that I got no problem posting pictures of me dressed up or what I'm doing? I would be great to know if someone of the Canucks want to let us know. Is that the team pushing him or is that the athlete in 2021 going, this is what I do and I'll post it and people think it's great? That's good. You know, he had a great, uh, a great message to to Dave, the Canucks fan fighting cancer a couple of weeks ago, which was ideal. I just don't know if that's got anything to do with the team or that's Pedersen himself. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really talk to local media these days, but he's done the spit and chicklets, a lot of photo ops, you know, the fashion sense. Um, it, it's been one thing after another, um, you know, with with Pedersen, where it's been working on his game, and you know, I think. I think obviously every Canucks fan sees a chance for this this guy to be a legitimate superstar in this league, right? I mean, he gives this market hope for the first time since what you know June of 2011 that people fully believe with this team again. And you know, we'll wait and see where it ultimately goes. But it's you know the fact is that you know he he's working on now a little bit of personality right and i think you've seen it in subtleties and it's more the head nods the winks the death stares all these little things uh about him but now starting to kind of show off a different side that hey you know what this guy's actually a pretty good athlete at other things whether it's you know it's playing golf or you know stepping in as a goalie and these photo ops or you know kind of some funky fashion uh, ideas and and now to pull this off um you know with with Olympic gold medalist with Patrick Chan, um, you know, a Canadian Olympic rock star, and then to do this with just a spectacular, breathtaking backdrop uh, in the glaciers and the mountains here in our gorgeous uh, province. So uh, it's neat. I mean, I'm glad everybody was safe. You know, thankfully nothing happened, right? There's a whole other story, right? What are you yeah. doing getting an helicopter? <laughs> yeah, apparently they're about 65 miles away from Vancouver where they found this spot. But you're right, you're... You're seeing different sides of them. It's it's tougher. I mean, you know, we often say, boy, we'd love to have the guests on. It just seems sometimes they're a little more relaxed. And and you're right. He's put on the goalie pads. Um, you know, he did this. He's trying. Why not ingrain himself? I think there's a big personality. There. I think the Canucks have some really good personalities on this team. The fact is they're really young. And you don't want to come on and go, me, 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 me. And it's all about me. You usually want to win first, right? And as these guys win more, I think they'll be more comfortable to say, "Hey, who, uh, you know, who's done that?" I, I'm, I'm thinking back to a couple of years ago when they did the Dyson Ice, and Besser and Pedersen were both mic'd up, where the fans would come and take their picture, and there was a little downtime. And uh, I think Besser said something quietly to him, and goes, "Yeah, Pedersen's not very good at hockey." And Pedersen very quickly said, "Said no one ever." Right. And you just said, hey, man, you got to have a chip on your shoulder. Uh, and now maybe he's going, hey, other than hockey, here's what I like. And I think fans are ready to embrace all of that. 
Uh, nine minutes after 8 o'clock, uh, we head to uh, Alberta this morning and um, change gears a little bit and catch up with the uh, head coach of the Vancouver Giants, assistant coach of Team Canada, and maybe for the first time ever, somebody who's looking forward to talk to us more than we're I was going to think the same thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's been stuck in quarantine, so clearly desperate for a little human interaction, right? Michael Dick this morning, how are, how are you? Like, how's, how's quarantine? It's, it's, uh, well, we're in the home stretch here. So, um, looking forward to, uh, looking forward to the end of the week and, uh, and get, getting back out, uh, in the general public again. But, uh, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's been, um, it, it's been fine. Uh, let's put it that way. We, we're in a, we're in a real good place here as far as being safe. Um, and, and again, um, you know, the, We've got our eyes on the prize here, so whatever it takes to, uh, you know, to, to to maintain maintain our health and our wellness uh, in order to to get uh, get into Edmonton and get the tournament going. So uh, we're we're definitely making the best of it. Um, how have you passed the time, Michael? Uh, this was not expected by anybody. Um, how have a coach have you been able to? I mean. I mean, you're not sitting around just watching TV, although I might think there might be some time when you kill. But how have you guys as coaches passed the time and tried to, I don't know if you could take advantage, but make the best of the of the hand you were dealt? Well, I, I think the key uh, for me was, uh, and, and, and for all of us that, uh, that are going through this, is, is not only to keep your, your mind active, but your body active. And that's, that's not easy in a hotel room, but... Uh, you know, hockey Canada has been phenomenal. Like, uh, you know, we, we not only have workouts each morning for the players, but, uh, you know, there, uh, there was a, a group here in Red Deer that donated uh, spin bikes to not only all the players, but the staff as well. So, you know, it's, it's waking up and getting a workout in in the morning. Uh, it's working out with a team later in the morning. Um, in between, it's emails, it's, it's, it's reading, it's, it's doing some videos so that when this is finished, we're, we can hit the ground running and we're well prepared. It's amazing how quickly a day goes by as long as you keep your mind and your body active. But you, you're, but you're essentially just locked in a hotel room for pretty much what? We're, what are we 10 days now into this for you? We're we're ten days. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm, I'm scheduled to uh, to be released on Friday. So um, <laughs> released. It's, 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 it's been over a week. You know, I say that, uh, and again, in, in in a real positive way. But uh, you know, it's funny. I, I look through the people in my in my door. You know, I can hear stirring in the hallway. I'm looking forward to seeing somebody. Or we normally get our meals dropped off. Like. Uh, Again, um, you know, normally in times like this, uh, you know, we've gone through a, a pandemic as, you know, as a kind, not only a country, but uh, globally, uh, leadership gets exposed. And, uh, and the leadership that we've had from, from Hockey Canada, Scott Salmond, and, uh, and our head coach, Andre, and, and, uh, and the staff, Al Miller, uh, has, has been great. We've, uh, we've been able to deal with this and we've been treated very well. So, um uh, again it's uh it's not something that that obviously we we wanted but uh you know, I think we've embraced it and we're going to make the best of it. Michael Dick joining us head coach of the Vancouver Giants associate coach with Team Canada's World Junior. So Michael, I mean it's about safety first, but 
does this throw anything off the rails for you guys as far as if you get the green light and everything goes as magical as people would hope with this tournament? Does this two-week downtime change a whole lot of things? Because from a schedule standpoint, in previous years, granted, you'd have guys who would have been on the ice, so you wouldn't have to worry about that. But uh, how far behind or off track will you be with this? Well, I, I think, you know, as you, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the, the safety and the wellness of the players and the staff comes first. And, um, and, and, and right now we feel like we couldn't be in a safer place. And, and I think through this, this whole thing and, 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 and I guess the last, the last 10 months that, we, that, you know, that we've, we've had to go through this, this, this pandemic, um, things change not only week to week, they change day to day. So, I don't think we're looking too far ahead here or, or we're even looking too far back to say, well, we should be here and, and we wish we could be here. Um, we're taking this day by day. And, and we know that uh, when we're finished with this quarantine, um, you know, that we'll take the next step to, to getting back on the ice and, and, uh, and getting back to work again. And, and when that happens, I'm, I'm very confident that, uh, you know, with, with the staff and with the group that we've got, it won't take long. Michael, are you, are you confident that this tournament's going to be a go? I mean, 1,600 cases uh, yesterday alone in the province of Alberta. I mean, it just, you know, I get you got the bubble going in here for uh, for the World Juniors, similar to the NHL uh, ran in Edmonton. But, I mean, just feels like such a different time right now. Are you Are you confident that we're still going to be, taking part in this holiday tradition in Canada again uh, in, in, what, four weeks from now? Uh, really confident. Uh, I think just the way that that we've approached things uh, and, and doing things right and, and, and making sure, again, that, uh, you know, that we're putting the safety and wellness of the the people involved uh, first and, and, and uh, where we're going, I guess, you know, we're looking at what the National Hockey League did, um, you know, this past summer and and uh, and it worked for them and i think uh i think it's going to work for for us as well so um that's uh, for us that's uh that's why we're doing what we're doing right now we we, we believe that uh that we're going to be there and, and we believe that we're going to have a tournament and we can't wait you know uh our colleague Corey hirsch is such a strong advocate for for mental health and he felt when the nhlers went into the bubble in the summertime because man i hope there's some hope there's some people who have a chance to to talk just in case we saw some nba players in the orlando bubble um are there outlets for kids there do you guys have one-on-one meetings with the guys just to make sure via zoom and you check in and make sure everybody's okay that's a good question we actually we connect every day. Um, you know, we, you know, it's, that's one of the things that, uh, that, uh, that we've, we've done since going into quarantine is, is we've got a list and I mean, we've got a big enough staff that we make sure that we connect with, with every one of the players. And there's 46 of them here right now. So connect every day just to see how they're doing. Um, you know, making sure that, that obviously, uh, they're doing okay. I mean, I, I, they spend a lot of time uh, on FaceTime and Zoom with their own families and friends, which is great. Um, they're obviously motivated, motivated athletes, so they do a lot of a lot of working out. They enjoy some gaming as well. We've we've had some uh, you know some social events, uh, poker tournaments, and uh, you know we have a Rock Scissors Paper tournament. 
we we do a lot of Zoom time and, and connect with them two or three times a day, once on an individual basis, and then, then as a group a couple of times a day. So, so again, um, you know, for us right now, it's 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 less about focusing on tactical or technical elements that'll come, but it's it's more about uh, connecting with them uh, on a on a social on a social and, a, and an individual level. Uh, you uh, you have had a chance to see a lot of international hockey uh, beyond just uh, looking after the Western Hockey League the last few years, but uh, some international tournaments as well. You know what this market's like and this town's like when it comes to the Canucks. Give me your impressions of what you've seen from Vasily Podkoles in, uh, in your time, from uh, your experience over the years, Mike. My, my experience in Vancouver? with Or just, uh, or just, or just your impressions of, uh, of Podkoles and uh from an international standpoint, do, do you think he's the real deal? Well, I, I mean, he's uh, he's an elite player, and uh, I mean, I haven't I haven't seen him uh, since since the uh, the Holinka tournament, um, and I really focused on him uh, you know, because he was he was uh, regarded as, as as one of the best players in the world for his age, and and so watched him and, and focused on him quite a bit. And, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, we're going to see him again. I believe on the 21st, we play, we play the Russians uh, in our first exhibition game. So, so looking forward to seeing him. I mean, obviously he's an elite player and, and, uh, and I'm sure he'll be a very good Vancouver Canuck one day. Uh, Michael, what's the schedule? All things good. You guys are back on the ice when? Well, uh, we're back on the ice as soon as uh, as soon as everybody's out of quarantine, and uh, and Alberta Health Services deems it's uh, it's acceptable for us to go. So, um, whenever that happens, uh, and, and we're certainly hoping that's going to be uh, next week, um, we'll be ready to roll. Listening to any metal while you've been in quarantine, like I, I don't know if our listeners know this, but Mike is a huge metal fan and i'm going like old school metal here so everybody raise your devil horns up for That's mike right. while he's in uh, uh, quarantine what are you listening to these days you, you know what today uh it's funny because uh, there's 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 a few staff members here who who share the same taste in music al miller or our, our manager is a huge motley crew fan and, and barb's our goalie coach is a big metallica fan so we when we do our workouts we we typically share playlists and actually playlists are starting to get old so starting to go to some live concerts and so rocked uh, the workout this morning to a little volbeat playing the grasshopper uh, festival in belgium it was awesome nice and aggressive to start your day nicely done there oh, Mike. Yeah. Uh, i could listen to those guys all day <laughs> stay safe and uh nice to catch up with you again sir thanks man. Uh, great to talk to you guys stay safe as well yeah, there he is, uh, the head coach of the Vancouver Giants and Team Canada assistant coach Michael Dick here joining this morning on uh, Sportsnet 650. Making it the best, making the best of it, pair. I mean, I think you know as much as we talk about the the challenges and the dangers and the health risk of COVID nineteen, like quarantining for two weeks if you've been exposed, like even if you've tested negative, right? Like you're just sitting there in isolation for two weeks. That's a real test of the mind. Oh, uh, and that's exactly it. I mean, I, I don't care if your meals are delivered, um, you know, and, and they've got the best with the spinning bikes delivered to them and get the workout. But, hey, James, anybody who's working at home, and we've been working from home, it becomes a routine. It becomes a challenge. And, you know, I, I thought he'd be able to give us a day when they think they're back on the ice, but they have to go through the period and then still get that stamp of approval, approval from Alberta Health. But, 
Uh, yeah, that's a challenge for these kids. And I think, you know, you're around a junior team. You had been for a while covering the world juniors, and it's always that tough day. It's a national day for everybody. You know, when the kids who are so close but not good enough and the cuts come down in that morning, it was terrible to see, and it played out for everyone to watch. But you would think with the group of 46, as he said, to go through this together, and then, you know, you're going to have a couple of days, and then you're going to lose a handful of guys. It's tough. And the 2020 World Junior Team, if, and I think that's a big if, and I know Michael's positive, if they get this tournament going, will be uh, a special bond. I don't know how good the hockey's going to be, but certainly a special bond for everybody, administrator, coach, and player, who will wear that Canadian jersey this year. Uh, speaking of a real test of the mind, Sonia Aslam, News <laughs> 1130. How Morning. are you? How are you? I'm okay. How are you guys doing? Well, it's Monday. It's Monday. I know. I almost opened with, is it Friday yet? Then I thought, no, <laughs> maybe, maybe I should <laughs> we're, we're We're so close. We're just five days away. We're so close. Yeah. Well, listen, it's been a quick November. Everybody's got the Christmas lights up. It's like December's here. We're ready Christmas to go. We're celebrating Christmas on December 12th. I know. Yeah. Let's just, let's just have a good time and try to get through the rest of the year. So. What the hell happened this weekend? I mean, there are thousands <laughs> of people protesting through Van, marching through Vancouver, the anti-maskers in full display. You got people going to church, getting fined. Like apparently the good Lord uh, has his <laughs> limits, I guess, to, in the Fraser Valley. Put a little extra in the collection plate. We're going to get ticketed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, those are your words, not mine. Yeah. So we had three churches in the Fraser Valley get busted for having three. Yeah, three. Three. You you thought one was bad. Three churches had in-person services and large ones over the weekend, and they got busted, which means the cops have to show up and be like, what are you doing? And one of the church leaders had said, well, I take my orders from God, not from Dr. Bonnie Henry. And we're like, um, what? So, uh, yeah, they all got fined. And so the fine is $2,300. And people of all ages were being seen going into these churches, you know, the very old, the very young, not a lot, not tons of masks. There were some, but, um, you know, the bottom line is you're not supposed to be having these gatherings. So, um, yeah, it's and the Fraser Valley is a hot spot. It's still a hot spot. So you're just making a situation that's really bad, even worse. And we talked to a lawyer this morning because now the argument is, well, it's my right to be able to pray and, you know, the state can't interfere with that. But technically, under the criminal code, uh, during a, something like a pandemic, the law won't necessarily protect you, even with that argument. And that's where we stand right now. It's a public health order. It's a provincial health order that there are no gatherings. And you broke the rules. So, yeah, you get fined. Wow. Intense. Uh, scary yeah. news coming out of the coming out of the West End, too, on Friday night. Wasn't there, Sonia, as far as a party? Yeah, there was a party. First of all, that's wrong in its own. Um, but yes. there was uh, a bunch of drug overdoses. And we talked about this, uh, I believe, last week, boys, when we had the latest opioid numbers come out. The opioid crisis in this province has not let up. And the pandemic has only made things worse because so many more people are home alone and they're using and they don't know what they're doing. And what we heard from Anchor Police is that there is most definitely a very tainted, a very contaminated batch of drugs that is circulating in this region right now. And um, 
it's it's everywhere. So we had about several people overdose, and uh, paramedics and officers arrived. They obviously found out what happened, broke up the party, and then had to start treating everyone as soon as possible. Nobody died, mm. but condition, you know, people are in pretty bad condition. And I think what people think is, oh, well, opioid overdoses, and these are, you know, these are just drug users who live on the downtown. Like, there's this weird stigma with who does this. It's not like that. The opioid crisis, yes, is on the downtown east side, sure. However, it is also... It's also anyone. It's weekend warriors. It's people who are normal accountants, parents, Monday to Friday, and then they try something once on a weekend and it goes the wrong way. So that stigma has to stop. It's anyone. This could be anyone. So I think we all need to shake our heads a a little bit about that. Yeah, a lot of finger wagging here yeah. this morning, there, Aslam. <laughs> what about okay? Here, t- t- let me throw this at you before we uh, before we run. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, Jake Paul, the YouTube sensation, oh, knocked God. out Nate Robinson in that celebrity yeah. or that Tyson uh, Jones undercard. Which of these fight matchups would you like to see most? Evander Kane called out Jake Paul. So, would you like to see Evander Kane against Jake Paul? Evander Kane against Ryan Reeves as they were trash talking against oh, each yeah. other again. Would you like to see Jake Paul and Conor McGregor, or would you like to see Ryan Reeves against Jake Paul? Which of those four matchups are you going with? Ooh. Ooh, intense. I don't think Ryan Reeves would do all that great, and I don't <laughs> want to see Jake Paul, period. But I'm going to go with, what What was the third choice again? Was it Conor McGregor? Yeah, Conor yeah, McGregor. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. All right, you go with yeah. Conor McGregor. Yeah. I'll- Aslam, you know what the right answer was for you? What's Anybody that? who could beat up Brad Marchant, right? <laughs> Why? He's so great. I'm kidding. I could take him out. It's fine. <laughs> oh, shots fired. I'm five feet, so we're pretty much the same height. It's fine. Yeah. 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 But no, I'm not messing with you. Yeah, uh, right. Stay safe out there, okay? And, Thank you, uh, boys. Avoid, uh, avoid church uh, in certain places. Yeah. Just avoid people. Just just avoid people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So stop talking to us, okay? Quit bugging <laughs> us, okay? Leave us alone. Yeah, Social distancing. Fine. See you, Aslan. Bye, guys. Take care. There she is. Uh, Sonia Aslan from News 1130 with the latest uh, going on in the world this morning. All right, 27 minutes after 8 o'clock. Hey, Seahawks with another big eat later on tonight. Monday night football against the Eagles. We will head to Philly and check in. Look ahead to tonight's Monday Nighter next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 832 here on this Monday morning. Uh, pretty good Monday nighter uh, if you're a fan of the 12s or if you are an Eagles fan that have been uh, banging your head against the wall uh, for much of the season. We uh, head to the city of brotherly love at this time. And uh, what a great way to get a guest who is a big fan of the city of Vancouver. And how often do you hear that in Philadelphia? But Les Bowen from the Philadelphia Inquirer joins us uh, as we look ahead to the Seahawks and the Eagles tonight. Good morning, Les. Good morning. How are you guys? Excellent, thank you. Um, So I, I look at the numbers here for this one. The good news is, from a Philadelphia standpoint, Eagles are 3-0 and in prime time so far this season. Bad news is, is Russell Wilson's never lost to Philadelphia. How do you see this one no. playing out tonight? Well, I think uh, the Eagles will lose. Uh, you know, it's their season is going down in flames, and uh, it would take a couple hours for me to really explain all that. But uh, they, uh, I think they're going to end up like firing the coach or something at the end of the season. It's just uh, been a mess. They've had 
they'll start their 10th different uh, offensive line combination in 11 games tonight. And uh, Carson Wentz is having a horrible year. The receivers, uh, he's not comfortable with them. He's, he doesn't have a lot of history with some of them. And uh, it's been a real uh, just a, a four-alarm fire of a season here. And the Seahawks, uh, you know, the Seahawks secondary is a little vulnerable, I guess. But Russell Wilson is just kryptonite to the to the Eagles. Uh, they actually handled him pretty well last year. They lost twice to the Seahawks, seventeen to nine, in the regular season, and then in the uh, playoffs. And the uh, playoff game, really, the Eagles could have won, except Carson Wentz got a concussion early, uh, had to leave the game. And uh, 41-year-old Josh McCown tore his hamstring and kept playing anyway because they didn't want to use the third quarterback, and they just couldn't score. So, uh, But this is not as good a team as that was, uh, and I, I just don't see uh, you know Russell Wilson having a whole lot of trouble with this defense tonight. Last week, we know uh, in Vancouver and being uh, the 12s up north what Russell Wilson can do, and on a prime time, that's a given. The curiosity factor with your football team coming in from Philadelphia is at that quarterback position where all things appear to indicate that Jalen Hurts, if he doesn't get the start, and Pedersen said no, is going to see an awful lot of action, maybe even a platoon-type series. Is this it for Carson Wentz? I mean, you've got a bad offensive line and you're changing as often as you do. It's difficult. But it was a surprise when Hertz was was picked in the second round. Is yeah. was there kind of a feeling in the organization that hey, yeah, Carson Wentz may not be what we thought he was? You know, at the time of the draft, I certainly don't think that could be the case. I mean, Wentz got them into the playoffs last season. He won their last four games for them with a bunch of practice squad receivers and stuff. Uh, I think they just outsmarted themselves in drafting Jalen Hurts, and a lot of us could see this coming. What they wanted, they had a cap problem, which is going to get worse next year. And they had this idea that if they got a good young quarterback on a rookie deal, which is very cheap, that they could save a lot of money rather than try to go out and sign another veteran. Uh, and, and they felt, you know, this is good insurance. Wentz has had a lot of injury problems. But those of us who know Philadelphia and know fans everywhere – immediately thought the minute Carson Wentz struggles, this is going to be a controversy. And of course it is. I don't think, uh, you know, Carson Wentz has played very, very well for most of his career. And I don't think one horrible year is going to doom him. And we also don't, you know, Jalen Hurts had no spring work, no real preseason uh, to expect him to come out there tonight and set the world on fire. I think is, is unlikely so, no, I think Wentz will be the quarterback here, but I do think uh, they've been very cautious about using Hurts as to, to try to allay the whole you know, quarterback controversy thing. I think they're going to be less cautious about that tonight, and I think you will see him for a few series. And, you know, we'll see if that goes anywhere, if that gains any traction or not. I just don't see, you know, some sort of total flip to Jalen Hurts for one thing. Even if the Eagles were to trade Carson Wentz after this season, they would take a, like a $33 million dead cap charge, which would be the largest ever absorbed by any NFL team when they're already more over next year's cap than any other team. 
Les Bowen from the Philadelphia Inquirer with us here on Sportsnet 650. You touched on Doug Peterson at the outset and suggested that he's probably a dead man walking at the end of this season. Has this, a lot of this, I mean, you look at some of the injuries and, and the way this has kind of played out. How much has this kind of fallen on, like, Doug being the problem or just a victim of circumstances here? Yeah, you can say that he's a victim of circumstances, but I think for the Eagles, the question is, how do you change the circumstances? Uh, The general manager, Howie Roseman, is very close to the owner, Jeffrey Lurie. I think it would be fair to Doug to say that a lot of these problems are Howie's problems, that the roster uh, the last three or four years, the signings and the drafting have not been good. But if you're not going to change the GM, and I don't think they are, and if you can't really move on from Carson Wentz, as I just outlined, then what's the other thing you can do that's really going to make a change? <laughs> you can fire the coach. And that, you know, that's how sports goes. It goes that way in hockey. It goes that way in baseball and basketball and every other sport. You know, that's the easiest change to make. I also think Doug hasn't helped himself. He seemed exasperated. He seemed out of answers. Uh, His offense has been very dull and predictable. He hasn't seemed to to rise to the occasion of these challenges. And, uh, you know, there are people here who think that he wants to to move on. So I don't know. You know, obviously they can still pull this together, win a few games. There's still six games left. They can still, you know, do something – or five games, however many games there are left. They can still do something here. Uh, and, and the NFC East is so bad, who knows, they could get into the playoffs and everybody would be happy or something. But it just doesn't look that way from here right now. Yeah, I was just going to say, Les, all this doom and gloom, if they pull an upset off, they're in first place in the NFC East. Is there they any faction are, of the fans that go... ask what that's worth. I mean, this is the literally the worst division in the history of the NFL. And, you know, winning it with like a 5-10-1 record or something isn't going to move the needle for very many people. We have fairly sophisticated fans here. You know, this would be like the Canucks winning their division with 80 points or something. You know, I mean, it's just not uh, 70 points. It it doesn't mean you're good. No, it's no, it's certainly it's uh, it's like uh, what a, a pig with lipstick. I think sometimes people might describe it. Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, hey, listen. The other thing, thing is, we're going to yeah. have some interesting weather tonight. It'll probably be for Seattle. I might feel right at home. It's raining torrentially right now, and the wind is blowing at like forty miles an hour. I think the rain is going to slack off. Uh, I'm just glad I'm not driving across the Lionsgate Bridge in this, but uh, <laughs> oh, nonetheless. Look at you. It's, uh, it's a rough night, I think, ahead weather-wise, so we'll see what that uh, portends. Well, we'll give that advantage to uh, to Russ and company. And, uh, listen, you stay safe out there, Les. Appreciate you taking the time. And uh, uh, here's hoping you get stuck in gridlock back here on the Lionsgate Bridge at some point here uh, and visit our fair city when we're allowed to. And things open up once again, sir. Oh, I would love that. And go for a run in Stanley Park. Those would be uh, That would be bucket list moments for me right now. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Les. Nice. Thank you. All right, there he is, Les Bowen, fan of Van City from the Philadelphia When's Inquirer. When's the last time you went for a, one, a run in Stanley Park? Last time I went for a run in Stanley Park, um, mm-hmm. you know what? I, You know what? I used to go for a run when we still went to work in the office. Um, I would, yeah, I would I say it was probably, 
late winter. Yeah, no, yeah, probably. Yeah, last fall. I'll say last fall was probably the last time I yeah. went for a run in Stanley Park. Yeah, you're, you know what? You're right. At, you know what? We had to do a luncheon or something, and I had to kill time, so I ran the opposite way. But I used to make that, uh, you know, as Les says, that's bucket list stuff, which we take for granted. But working downtown as long as I did, I was pretty good, especially on a, a late shift, a three till midnight shift. Seven o'clock, get off the air, put on some shoes and go for a run and see all the people and go, hey, there's uh, and, and you and I have traveled a lot. I've been to pretty much every uh, city in North America with a sports team and putting on the running shoes and going for a runner are for me the best way to see the downtown core. Mm-hmm. There is nothing better than uh, getting on the seawall and going for a little run in downtown Vancouver. Yeah, it's nice, man. I, I mean, I think back to even 2019, doing the gross grind like all the time. We had we had like a whole internal competition or uh, guys just yes. set personal bests all the time, and you know probably did the grind in 2019 at least a dozen times. And you know I probably haven't done the grind since what fall of last year. <laughs> like oh. it's just well, you know, th- think of these restrictions, all sweaty and messy, and you're kind of shoulder to shoulder trying to pass someone up the grind. Well, you know it's yet funny. another. I, I had to go for a doctor's appointment uh, about a week and a half ago, and I went into the city and went down Canby by Oak Ridge the other day. And, like, pair to see, like, Oak Ridge is demolished, right? Like, the Oak Ridge that I kind of yeah. grew up with knowing, it's like, it's just, it's like a bomb hit it, right? Like, it's been demolished. It's just like, wow, I haven't, it's clearly been a while since I've gone by there. And I'm sure, like, there's a lot of people that have been working from home where if you, you go buy something you haven't seen in a while, you're like, oh, there's a new high. Like, when was this high rise built? I haven't seen this in forever. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a different time. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. There's been a lot of paving that's been going around around my neighborhood. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Okay, that's good. <laughs> it just, it, it becomes mind numbing, right? Yeah. It's like we've been doing this for a month and you go, no, no, no. Yeah, no, it's almost 2021. So, oh, there, I mean, there there's you a go. whole and development. putting up the Christmas lights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so if you feel good about putting up the Christmas lights here in the last week or two, people, just know that there are full developments that have been built over the last six months, if you look down the street. Uh, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show next, right here on Sportsnet 650. What right. were yours? Right. What, what, what was your uh, my superstition was that I needed to have maybe a shot, a shot and a half before every game. Of Hennessy. What you mean? Okay. Uh, I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Gatorade. Gatorade. Or at all. I don't know what I was Tordall. thinking. Hell no. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Good conversation with uh, Peyton Manning and Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. What kind of shot? What do you Man. mean? <laughs> yeah. You didn't know where he was going. Skittles or what? Yeah. yeah. Needed a shot. Oh, like a, a pain uh, painkiller? No, just Hennessy. Shot of booze before a game. You know? Marshawn would be on a list of the most interesting guys to ever play in the game. Right, because he never opened up. Remember he did a uh, – Conan O'Brien did a thing during Super Bowl week. I think they played Madden. And like Lynch was just so funny. And then, you know, you got, I'm here so I don't get fined. I'm here so I don't get fined, right? So, uh, one of the more interesting characters. He would have, hey, if it's raining, Marshawn would have excelled. And the fact that Chris Carson will be back and the Seahawks have a running game tonight if the weather is poor, it isn't bad by my place. Some bad weather over the night here in Metro Vancouver. But, uh, 
Rain has fallen on a Monday night. I don't think that's a bad thing for the Seahawks. Do you think at Lumen Field? So the over under set at forty nine tonight. Do you think that goes? I mean, the Seahawks can score. They also have a tendency of being able to give up points, but the, with the weather kind of lousy, end of November in the Northeast. Or do you continue? Do you think it continues to go over or does it go under tonight? I just don't know if Philadelphia's giving them any help on that end. Yeah, this well, is the Perry positive vibes um, after. Boy, we we wow, we didn't get killed, but we would have had a big day at the bank if if Mahomes would have covered, but they won by three. So then I looked at your football team, which is run pretty much like the fantasy team you run, and forgot to play your quarterback yesterday. Uh, Thank you for the win. Yeah, uh, I said Green Bay would handle it. I think they had a, it was a seven and a half spread. It's six and a half right now in Seattle. I like Seattle covering tonight, um, but uh, you know the weather plays a part. I, I Philly could do absolutely nothing if yeah. they're going if they're platooning Jalen Hurts and, and Carson Wentz. They won't find any kind of a rhythm. And with the running game back for Seattle, I think I, I think the Seahawks are ready to go hard for the next four weeks. They've got some easy opponents, roll up some momentum, and I think they're boosted by the fact they watched the Rams lose, right? That goes good. They watched the Cardinals lose, and they're okay, guys, let's get it going. And I think we see that tonight. They, You know, the Eagles have typically kept – things low scoring against the Seahawks in history. I like the under in this one tonight. Um, I do like the Eagles to win this one out. I would sooner take the under than I would take uh, the point spread. But you know what? You, you mentioned that the, you mentioned the bucks and the, and the chiefs yesterday, who would have thought that the bears and the Packers would outscore Brady and Mahomes yesterday. Right. I mean, I, I think, I think the chiefs maybe took their foot off the gas and just tried to go clock management and kill the clock. In that second half, they had such a big lead to start the game. Um, but Mahomes was brilliant. But then you kind of got a little bit, like you said, you got burned in that backdoor cover yesterday, right? You know, as that, I don't think that game was as close as the score indicated. Would you not agree? No, they could have scored and should have. They died a couple times in the red zone. He fumbled the ball in the red zone once. They took a couple of threes where you thought they'd get seven. Yeah, I don't think if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, uh, there was no way you were worried that they were losing that football game. I think they were in control, and it could have been a beatdown, and the score flattered Tampa Bay. But then an awful lot of questions this morning in Tampa Bay. Okay, is coach and quarterback on the same path? And we'll see if they can figure that out. It has been a strange week, and we get a football game tomorrow night where Baltimore shut their facility today. Man, it took a long time for the NFL to get into this mess, but they're in it. And I think in part, that's got to be part of the conversation with the NHL too. Okay, what are we going to do if we come back? Right now, it's not working for the NFL going from city to city. We're going to have to find some bubbles. So fascinating. We get football pretty much every day except for Wednesday. We'll see if they can get something going on Thursday night considering what's happening. Yeah, I, I, I think we'll get some positive news, I think, with the NHL. I think they're going to have to take some steps forward this week, and I think we'll get some clarity on that at some point uh, here as as we kick off the month of December tomorrow. Uh, th that'll do it for us here on this uh, Monday morning. That'll do it for the month of November for us. We will see you in December. Uh, the Scott Rintoul Show is coming your way next. We're back at it. Same bad time, same bad channel tomorrow, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.